0: Scoring tries at will. The Kiwis have produced their biggest ever margin of victory against Samoa today. and it looking to make the point. Save is Shirley. Has won a goal on debut for the Frenchman. And victory of Shirley back the points. Will Jordan, there's nothing he can't do. New Zealand are off to the big one. Warner goes over midwicket for six more. Gets the length he's looking for. And the 150 over for David Warner. Australia are smiling because this has been a tremendous win for them. And now, overnight scores, expert comment and controversy on the Big Sports Breakfast Weekend.
1: Good morning everyone, I'm Ray Thomas and welcome to the Big Sports Breakfast Weekend. Big show coming up and we just heard Australia getting there. ODI World Cup campaign back on track, successive wins since we were last on air and that was um, good to see them beat Pakistan uh, on Friday night, 9 for 367 Australia, defeated Pakistan who are bowled out for 305, Warner with 163, Mitchell Marsh 121, 259 run opening partnership, Co-hosting Richie right alongside me, Dino. Good morning. The tip is Travis Head comes back in probably for the Netherlands game and will open. So Mitch Marsh probably goes down the order. Laba Shane gets dropped. Good morning, Dino.
2: Yeah, good morning, Ray. It's certainly intriguing what the Australian selectors will do. But you know what's more intriguing? Mm-hmm. Zorba. Oh, yeah. What a week he's had. Set the news agenda on this very show last week. <laughs> he created some drama. The National Anthem drama. Well, Adam Zampa. And then, but then he's gone and had a yeah. blue with Peter Pesoltis, mm. the leading Queensland Rugby League commentator. That's gone a week, yeah. He's had a week, Zorba, the big man.
1: This National Anthem debate and those players who choose to sing and not to sing, a certain crowd to fewer. Adam Zampa didn't sing in Australia's recent match, so... I don't know, Dina, where do we sit with that?
2: Zampa didn't sing in the uh, previous game either, Mm. yet he did apparently in the first two games. Andrew McDonald, the coach, didn't sing. Mm. Look, all I can say, Ray, and I don't want this to turn into a you-know-what storm. I think it has. (laughs) 10 past (laughs) 7 on a Sunday morning. (laughs) All I will say, Ray, is if I was playing for Australia, and as I said last week, I would give a right arm. Mm. I wasn't good enough. Mm. I would sing the anthem. But they are choosing not to, for whatever reason... We have to respect that, but I would sing the national anthem.
1: I think I read a story where you quoted Mal Meninga during the week and and Mal said he he wouldn't make any player sing the anthem unless they wanted to do. So it's individual choice. And what was Mal's thoughts on it?
2: Uh, Mal said to me, Ray, pretty much what you said, that he wouldn't force anyone to sing the anthem. But like myself, he said, I sang it proudly. Mm. I'm a proud Australian and I sang it. We haven't heard from the four players, Ray, so it's a bit difficult to ascertain exactly why they chose not to sing it and whether it was a political statement. Max Krillich came out on the same morning that Zorba broke the story, so to speak, on this show, and Max said, you don't sing, you shouldn't be picked. So it's a very heavy-handed debate. It's a very emotive debate, and a lot of people have had their say during the week, and uh, it's a...
1: Our man's well, there was a poll in the
2: Telegraph, right? That had multiple thousand uh, respondents vote, and which should players who don't sing be picked? And the response was overwhelming. Ninety percent saying no, really? they shouldn't. Sing. That many. Ninety percent said if you don't sing, you shouldn't play.
1: Wow. Quick update on the Rugby World Cup. We're into the second half of the second semi-final. England 12, South Africa 6 at the moment. Six minutes into that second half in the previous semi-final yesterday morning. New Zealand, All Blacks 44, defeated Argentina 6. Remarkably, Dino, um, Ian Foster, the coach of New Zealand, has already been told he won't have a job post the World Cup. What happens if they win next week?
2: Yeah, it's a strange situation, (laughs) isn't it? Michael Chekhov thought did exceedingly well to get the Argies into the last. Four, But eventually, probably uh, a lack of big game class uh, Mm. got the, uh, the Pumas. All Blacks will be hard to beat this game, Ray. It's a shame we're seven minutes into the second half. We still haven't seen a try. It's the bane of many followers of the great game of Rugby Union. But hopefully it might open up a bit in the second half, Ray. But imagine if the Poms got beaten given what happened in the cricket last night. It was a shellacking South Africa,
1: 7 for 399, rolled England in just over 22 hours for 170. England are now 1 and 3 in their World Cup defence. They are in real trouble. Australia, 2 and 2. we still got to keep winning, but we're back into the into the 4, top 4. The top 4 go through, and our run rate has been picked up enormously, which is significant. So after that slow start, they're building. They play the Netherlands. I think it's Wednesday night. I'll check on that. know The Netherlands beat England during the week, so... I, England, yes, right. So, yeah, it's it's game on there, but Australia just starting to build nicely, Dino.
2: We do do that traditionally in World Cups. We mm. sort of just gain momentum game after game, and I wouldn't certainly be riding the Aussies off just yet. There was a Rugby League test match yesterday, Ray. Auckland, uh, New Zealand, 50 Samoa nil. I've got to say, Ray, and I don't like to be critical of the Pacific Nations. It's a burgeoning area for Rugby League, and mm. we need that to be strong, but... Samoa were a bitly disappointing in their two tests in this series so far. A combined score of 88-12 to 12 against. So this is Samoa, a team that made the World Cup final correct. last year. For a team yeah. that made the final uh, in England last year, yeah, they've certainly gone backwards.
1: So Dino, Australia play New Zealand and Melbourne next Saturday night and then they've got to back up the following week, both teams in the final in Hamilton.
2: Yeah, the Aussies have won a game, and New Zealand has won a game. Yeah. That's, of course, both over Samoa, which qualifies them for the final. So, as much as I hate to say this term, raid dead rubber, it essentially is, Albert, I wouldn't want to be telling any one of those 34 players playing in that game next week that it's a dead rubber. Yeah. It's still a test match. Yeah, good luck with that. It will be ferocious. <laughs> they will rip in, and uh, then, as you say, Saturday week, they go over to Hamilton in uh, Waikato there. And that's where the Pacific Championships final will be played.
1: Exactly, yeah. AD, now we had the Caulfield Cup yesterday and the, without a fight for Anthem, Sam Friedman got up to win on the line in a thrilling finish. Congratulations to him. But post-race, this is the big news. Mark Zara has been suspended. He's out until Victoria Derby Day and also hit with a $50,000 fine for excessive whipping. Use he used the whip nine times before the one hundred meter mark, which is four times over the, um, uh, the the maximum you can use that whip prior to the hundred meter mark. It was a tight finish, and you know, once again, that old chestnut. Will stewards ever lodge a protest? Um, given that without a fight, and Mark Zara perceived maybe by in some. Eyes to gain an advantage with excessive Whoa. whip use, but you it can't, it's so difficult to quantify. It is. But why is the rule there that the stewards could potentially protest? It, to me, it makes no sense.
2: Now, they'll never do it. Surely, Ray, if you've hit a horse excessively, that would give you an advantage over your rivals.
1: That is the theory, but some horses don't respond to the whip. Other horses respond to kinder riding. So it's difficult to quantify. I understand that. But I guess my point is, why have it in the rules in the first place? Um, because it's a, you know, will stewards, ever? they might do it for a maiden at Burke, but will they ever have the courage to do it in a group one like a Caulfield Cup? Could you imagine if they did it and it was upheld?
2: Why, this is Pandora's probably box. <laughs> a difficult question for you to answer, right? Why would an experienced jockey like Mark Zara, mm. why would he do that knowing it's being monitored, knowing it's being scrutinised, knowing the uh, the uh, penalties that loom in a Caulfield Cup? Mm. Such a big event. What, what would drive him to do that? Adrenaline? 100%, yeah. Uh,
1: in the moment, you're in the zone, you are potentially got a chance to win this race. And being an experienced jockey, he would, he would certainly know what was happening, but... Maybe he realised his horse was re- responding to the persuader. As I said earlier, other horses can do; some don't. Um, he certainly was making his run coming out after uh, West Wind blows and run him down late. So um, he probably took the odds to it. Said, "Look, if I don't do this, this horse can't win because some horses do need that persuading, so to speak, you know." And I must stress that um, from all the evidence. And from people who do know the sport, the whip does not hurt the horse. It is more about conjoling them and 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 convincing them to try harder. Some horses need that persuading, that vigorous riding. Others don't. So, but back to my original point: stewards are on a high into nothing, aren't they? Because if a lodger protests, <laughs> are they going to uphold it? They'll create a massive furor. So, why have it in the rules, Dino? Just. Makes no sense.
2: Speaking of racing, a big day at Ramick yesterday. It was a three-way go in the Five Diamonds Prelude. Run us through it. Yeah,
1: that girl, Cathy O'Hara, she's having a golden spring and she struck again yesterday and... Uh, great ride on Palmetto for John Sargent and uh, got up to win nally as you said, Dino, you know, in that tight three-way photo, beating detonator Jack and Waterford. All three will now go to the Five Diamonds, which is worth $2 million on November 4. Um, Fangirl's currently the favourite. We'll see Fangirl run next week in the um, Cox Plate. So she... Um, is very unlikely to back up the fine weekend of Five Diamonds. But Cathy O'Hara has had a great um, spring carnival so far. Dinner also on the Epsom, don't forget on Redina back on September 30, plus a Bill Ritchie. She's riding winners everywhere. And John Sargent made that point afterwards that she's just, quote, riding out of her skin. We'll talk to John a little later. A horse called Unspoken made a real statement yesterday, and he has burst into the into the five diamonds now with that when he raced away after being forced to lead almost by default and won very, very convincingly. And what about um, Gay Waterhouse and Adrian Bott? We've had four two-year-old races in Sydney so far this season. They've won three of them, including yesterday's Kirkham Plate with Shangri-La Express. Amongst those three wins, they went one, two, three in the Breeders' Plate, won by Espionage. And the race they didn't win... They finished the closest of seconds in the gym crack with Celestial Bling behind Manal. So I was talking to Gay, she was at Caulfield yesterday, I rang her and she said they've got real depth this season, obviously right across the board, but some really talented two-year-olds and, in Gay's words, in the Colts and the Phillies, very, very evenly matched in terms of their depth. So they're in for a big year and they still lead that Sydney trainers premiership, Dino you know, from Chris Waller.
2: And runners through the Caulfield Cup, right, obviously outside of the Mark Zara Uh, whip drama, the actual race itself. What did you make of it?
1: Yeah, look, terrific contest. They went 2.26.45, very fast call for your cup. Um, Without a fight, wore down West Wind Blows, who had a slow start, then got himself back into the contest fairly early on, so his effort to run second was excellent. Big plunge on West Wind Blows, backed into 5.50 favouritism. For Anthony and Sam Friedman, they put their their names on the winning trainer's honour roll for the Caulfield Cup. Of course, Anthony's brother Lee um, won four Caulfield Cups in the 90s, Dino, with, with Mannerism in 92, Paris Lane in 94, uh, Doremus in 95, um, and there was a fourth one, I'll come to me a sec, and of course, Dino, their great-grandfather, um, Midge McLaughlin, rode two Caulfield Cup winners back in the early 1900s, so it's a remarkable um, training. Mummify. Mummify, 2003 was Lee's fourth Caulfield Cup. So um, uh, it's been a remarkable family history that goes back over 100 years in the Caulfield Cup, and the Freemans just keep winning.
2: Plenty of texts already coming through about the national anthem debate race. Shire Tiger says even your man Michael Clark said he may not always have sung the anthem. That does not make him uh, an unproud Australian. And there's another one no name here. With the anthem, it doesn't recognise Indigenous people. Mm. So, again, the emotive debate continues. Just on Rugby League 2, Ray, the Panthers. It looks like uh, they will travel to England for the World Club Challenge. It was a yeah, suggestion yeah. that uh, Wigan may come here. Or even Wigan thought they could play them halfway in Vegas. Again Which wasn't a bad idea, <laughs> but uh, it looks like at this point, things can change, that Penrith will go across there. It's the last trophy that Penrith haven't won. Mm. They went across there in uh, 91 after their inaugural, That's right? and uh, they played Wigan as well, and they got beaten, so okay. uh, two years ago, they couldn't play it because of COVID, and of course, earlier this year, St Helens came out here and beat Penrith 13-12 up there at the foot of the mountains.
1: I did want to ask you a couple of things, but just quickly you know, on this whip situation. Firstly, Ray, why didn't Mark Sarah ride Gold Trip yesterday and who will ride in the Melbourne Cup? Um, Mark chose without a fight under the belief that Gold Trip would not run in the Caulfield Cup. So he's got a difficult decision to make as to which horse he rides in the Melbourne Cup. Um, no name on this one. Come on, Ray. He's not hitting the horse for the fun of it. Obviously, it helps. My point was that some horses do respond. Others don't. Um, also, I was on West Wind Blows from Grassman. He was on West Wind Blows. They should have protested. Simple, broke the rules of racing. So this is going to, again, Dino, it's going to create a lot of debate as to you know, when you've got that rule there, will you ever use it? It's just staggering. Dino, I wanted to ask you something about a story wrote right during the week that um, re the, the North Sydney Bears and and being dutted, so to speak, by the, the men's government.
2: Yeah, it's a strange situation, Ray. The previous coalition government uh, under Dominic Peronay, pledged $11 bucks to give Bear Park mm. uh, a lick of paint and fix up the dressing rooms and replace the seating. Uh, but the Minns Government, took, that was in February, right? the pledge was made. In March, the Minns Government took power, and now they're saying, nope, the $11 million no longer stands. Wow. So it's a bit of a blow for Bear Park. It's mm. a bit of a blow for the Bears' push to come back, or they would be based somewhere else, but they were hoping to play Two to three games a year at North Sydney Oval. But more so, Ray, for the Australian women's cricket team. Yes. It's their unofficial home ground. So, yeah, it's, it's a bit of a bummer for the Bears. Uh, what, the Minns, what's the
1: latest with their push to get back in?
2: Uh, it's all gone a bit quiet. Yeah. Everyone's still jostling, Ray, and PNG seems to be in the headlines more than ever before. Where they would play those up for debate? Where would they be based? Would they be based in Queensland? Would that just make them another Queensland side? Perth's gone a bit mm. quiet, mm. the Bears have gone a bit quiet. They're all still behind the scenes jostling for positions for when this big announcement does come as to when the team will come in.
1: Okay, now the big question is, what odds are you getting 1A on that flight to Vegas next year?
2: Oh, Ray, I'd like Seep to go to Vegas. Is. It'd be nice. <laughs> I did a story during the week, actually, that these um, uh, the massive LED display mm. outside of Allegiant Stadium... In Vegas, has now got Rugby League on there. How about that? A big eh? image of Cam Murray and Victor Radley. and Half of Australia is
1: going to be over there, D. Well,
2: you? they've already sold more than 12,000 tickets, Gee, which is a pretty strong start. We're only in what, long time late ago. October. Yes. So I don't know whether they'll sell out 65,000, but anything around, I would have thought thirty to 40,000 would be a great,
3: mm.
2: great crowd. So, look, it's going to be a great uh, a great innovation for Rugby League. And, you know, Ray, you know what? When they run out on that field in Vegas... A lot of rugby league fans must look at it and think, wow, how did we pull this off? And PBL, I I, I rapped him last week and I say it again. If it wasn't for Peter Volandis, this pipe dream would not be even Mm. close to happening. Yeah, it is extraordinary.
1: Quick update on that World Cup semi final England now 15, South Africa 6 at the 55 minute mark of that match. Dino. Did you catch the WBBL score yesterday between the Adelaide Strikers and the Melbourne
2: Stars? Briefly.
1: Okay, Adelaide Strikers, they're the defending champs, three for 177 in their 20 overs. Now, the Melbourne Stars have got some Australian players like Midland, etc., rolled for 29, all out 9.3 overs, a record for WBBL, on the back of New Zealand beating Samoa 50, 50
2: points nil. nil. Where was that cricket game played, right? In
1: Adelaide, yeah. On so, the Adelaide Oval, mm, mm.
2: which is normally a road. Yeah, 20. So you, you couldn't sort of argue that it was a... 29. You know, yeah. ...hooping yeah. round a fair bit. Mm. So that leads to our talk topic. It does. Classic, well, Tanya's got the wording right, classic shellackings. Classic shellackings. Mm. I'll lead us on, Ray. <laughs> okay. The first one that comes to mind, I go back to 2008. Oh, Manly played yeah. Melbourne in that famous grand final. It had all the hallmarks of being an absolute final minute epic. Mm. And Manly just piled on the tries in the second half, and it ended historically 40-0. Probably a rugby league grand final score we'll never see again. Mm. Uh, and uh, it was, of course, the last game in Australia for the great Beaver Menzies, who scored a that, try.
1: Was that the grand final that Cameron Smith missed due to suspension?
2: Uh, yes, it was. So the whole week for Melbourne was in
1: turmoil, wasn't it? Yes, it, it? was. When, yeah, OK. What have for, you got for, for us? For me, um, it could have been... The roosters beating St George thirty eight nil because I copped it at school <laughs> for about a week after that. When well, the that was three kids. point tries race. Yeah. That was actually more than the forty yes. 0 so to speak. But I do remember sitting on the hill. Now I checked it. The crowd was official crowd was six thousand seven hundred and fifty. My brother and I were there as young kids. We used to walk down from our house in South Penrith and go to Penrith Park on a Sunday, and it was Manly versus Penrith, and Manly were loaded with superstars. You know, I remember when they ran out in the field, you had Fulton in the centres with Brannigan, Edie at fullback, um, test players galore. And I remember looking up at the scoreboard. This is 1973. i giving away my age. About the 20 minute mark of the first half, it was three points to two. The Panthers were hanging in there. Full-time score, Dino? Uh-oh. 70 points to seven. And that was the day, as I said, when it was three point tries. Johnny Mays? Monkey Mays. Scored four tries. Bozo scored two. Edie got a try, kicked 14 from 17 attempts. It just became one-way traffic. But you know what? The Penrith players from that team still meet once a year to not celebrate, but to remember that game, 70 points to seven. And um, they call themselves a 707 club. 707
2: club. club. <laughs> Great shellackings. Great That's shellackings. Our talk topic. That's i you one too, Ray, yeah. and I haven't got it in front of me. I think St. George might have beaten Canterbury. Way back in 1935, yeah, yeah. potentially a place called Earl Park. Where, where's that? It's now demolished. Okay. Yeah. And I think it got over ninety.
1: Ninety-one to seven, wasn't it? What I memory? think
2: it was ninety-one to seven or six yeah. or something.
1: Yeah. I Remember that? I don't remember. The about White got beaten about it. by ninety
2: once too by well, some Christchurch team, the Crusaders, I think. But anyway, let's not but, give but, too many but, away. But it could
1: be anything. It could even be a school, a schoolboy match you might have played in a, um, a cricket match when you got rolled for ten or something. I don't know. Or remember that Socceroos beat American Samoa thirty-one to nil, not That's that right. long ago. <laughs> They're making a movie about that.
2: There was a schoolboy uh, cricket game when I was a young boy. It wasn't our school; it was a school up the road, and they got bowled out for one. Oh, for one. <laughs> One. It was ten for one. That's horrific. It's fair to say not many of those blokes went on to get the baggy green.
1: That's horrific. And I do remember um, uh, uh, when Joe Frazier was the world champion and he took on George Foreman in Kingston, Jamaica. I think it was about 1973 or 74. George Foreman knocked Joe Frazier down nine times in two rounds, Dino. <laughs> game over, all over. They had to stop the fight. Great shellackings. That's our talk topic. Call us on thirteen fifty three fifty three SMS 0419 767 Listen to Dino and Ray in the Big Sports Breakfast Weekend.
0: Talking all the overnight action. Incredible anticipation. The Big Sports Breakfast Weekend.
1: And welcome back to the show with Dino and Ray. Dino, just quickly in that UFC rematch between uh, Markachev and Volkanovsky. Unfortunately, the Australian Alexander Volkanovsky knocked out in the first round. It was brutal in that rematch. So, Markachev retains the world championship. Volkanovsky knocked out in the first round. In that semi final, 62 minutes gone. England 15, South Africa, the defending World Cup champs 6. So, England in the box position there to go through and take on new zealand in the world cup final race replay time dino and that, that man joe pride the everest winning trainer he's had another big day yesterday with two winners one of them a new stable recruit good mare dashing legend
4: inside the final 175 Bill from dashing legend with your blessing showing fight between them dashing legend hits the lead late Dashing Legend's going to win it. Dashing Legend first. bowling next second. Just in front of with your blessing. Followed by Contemporary. Then Mars Mission. Another cognac. walking. and talk She's and a
1: smart mare, Dino. Carried 61.5 first up. Um, Joe Pride decided against using a claiming apprentice. Chad Schofield rode her, and her class shone through. On then to the Falante Handicap. Here's a promising horse. Made it three straight. His best win yet. Unspoken.
4: Unspoken by a length a length and a half now in political debate. It looks to be battling in second spot. The others are too far back and unspoken. Really starts to race away here in the hands of Atra, Andrew Atkins. There was a bit happening back in back play there, but unspoken. Well rated in the lead and wins it comfortably. Political debate clung on to second in front of Wicklow. Then Kerwin's lane, uh, further back then to uh, Knight's Choice making headway. from We'll
1: talk to here. trainer Peter Snowden shortly. He got left in front, unspoken probably... Um, uh, by default almost, but it didn't matter. He put four lengths on them in the end and won really impressively. On to the Five Diamonds Prelude. These are the horses that Unspoken will need to take on in the Five Diamonds on November 4. What a finish. Cathy O'Hara and Palmetto prevail.
4: As they race inside the 250 and what goes, leads out by a length and a half now. Palmetto starting to lengthen, giving chase. Further back, detonator Jack making ground on the rails. Waterford uh, is grinding away. Detonator Jack going after Palmetto. Palmetto. Now Waterford hitting top gear. Palmetto, Waterford detonated Jack. Three-way go. Oh, not sure here. Three of the minute. Waterford the outside of Palmetto and uh, right up there is detonated Jack. Then came Democracy Manifest late from St. Lawrence. For yeah, Palmetto
1: great Palmetto. finish. Very hard to... Had anyone guessing that photo finish, but Palmetto in the centre hung on being detonated Jack and Waterford, Democracy Manifest flying home to run fourth. On then to race nine, the big dance wild card, that man Joe Pride again with King of the Castle and Reese Jones.
4: Highlights put the head in front from Pandano. King of the Castle going to but Lock Eagle. Highlights just in front of King of the Castle. Highlights. King of the Castle, King of the Castle nailed it, got up right on the line there to beat Highlights. Third between Pandano and Loch Eagle. Further back to Spangler Lions roar. Yeah, good
1: ride from, from Reese Jones and uh Jay Pride just continuing his winning sequence. King of the Castle gets his way into the big dance. Well here's the Caulfield Cup. What a finish. Without a fight, runs down West Wind Blows.
2: West Wind Blows at the 200. Without a fight, runs
1: on. Lays in on top of Gold Trip. West
5: Wind Blows 100 to go. Without a fight, coming at it. Without a fight, West Wind Blows. The hits in unison. Without a fight. The Caulfield cup narrowly from West Wind blows and gold trip. Fourth Fourthright duo of Wardajon. Followed then by Valley and
0: King Solcombe. Break up and dupe to César.
1: Great finish there. And without a fight for Anthony and Sam Friedman. Just got up to beat West Wind Blows. Gold trip under 58 and a half. A terrific effort to run third. Hey, do you know our talk topics going gangbusters? I just had a text from a friend. He said, I owned a horse. Uh, with a friend of mine, and we raced with Anthony Friedman That was officially beaten by 99 links. When I protested that I thought we were actually beaten by more, the feedback was the system only had room for two <laughs> digits, not three. So had, so it was plus 100. A bit like Nadia Comaneci when she um, got the perfect 10, and the the uh, digital system back then in the at uh, the Olympics couldn't work, didn't work, Dino, so her score was 1.0 when it actually was 10, so um, there you go. Yeah,
2: a lot of them coming through, Ray Bulldog, Bob says, last year Sydney Thunder rolled for 15, I remember that, and 5.5 overs, more than a schlucking, it was an embarrassment. Mm. Jake from Canberra, who listens to the show regularly, Ray, he repeated my 2008 grand final between the Seagulls and the Storm. Uh, we've got here the 1997 Caulfield Cup. Mm. That's from old mate at your minor, Might and Power. I was there that day staying
1: next to the great um,
2: Les Carline and he won by eight lengths eight under Jimmy lengths. Cassidy
1: and Les Carline turned to me and said, you will never see another Caulfield Cup win like that. Like
2: that. Mm. Bondi Jack says, uh, Ray, East's 87, Canterbury 7, Oof. 1935. My Uncle Dave's record stands to this day despite the three-point drives. I'm assuming Uncle Dave might be Dave, Dave Brown. Brown. We
1: did check that while you were out of the studio. He scored um, five tries and kicked 15 goals. He worked out 35 points for the, the game. Yeah, so amazing. A couple of uh, people on the on the open line to talk about our talk topic. You know Paul was there. Paul, good morning. Hello. How you going, boy? Terrific. Paul, what have you got for us, mate? i got two. Um, Central Coast Mariners they pulled um,
6: Melbourne City's pants down in the grand
7: final last year. Well, uh, season 6-1, I think it was. That's right, yeah. yeah. But uh, when I was a boy in short pants at Meadowbank Boys High mm. in the early 70s, I think um, the senior basketball team beat Asquith Boys High
1: 207-0. Oh, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I'll call that a shillaki. what do you reckon? <laughs> in basketball, that must be a world record, 207-0. <laughs> oh, that's a beauty. Thanks so much, Paul. Mitch is on the line. Mitch, good morning. Morning,
8: gentlemen. How are we?
1: Terrific. Mitch, what do you got for us, mate?
8: Oh, first of all, love the race replays, but I love the omission of the last at Caulfield.
1: Oh, hang on. Um, the last. Me,
8: me and the old Ben go halves in the quaddie each week, and <gasps> oh, yeah. that thing down there. So we, we ran second, third, and fourth, basically.
1: Oh, Lim picker. Okay. $19, yeah. it knocked you out, did it? Yeah, um, oh. yeah.
8: thanks for the price. I was deliberately not looking, but yeah. <laughs> Sorry, mate. No, that's all right. That's all right, guys. I've got one for the... Um, first of all for the, uh, uh, the anthem debate. Mm. Um, I'm the musician, uh, Dino, um, they're constantly pestering you on Facebook. <laughs> I um, know who you are, Mitch. So I'll, oh, that's, you know, i make my head bigger. Thanks. Um, <laughs> right. So first of all, uh, um, uh, yeah, uh, get me on track, boys. Uh, I lost my piece of paper. um, Yeah, so the Durban public school fate is next week, and I've been rehearsing with uh, the local musicians, and uh, that goes both with the shellacking and the anthem, because we were just practicing national anthems, and somebody got me singing the um, New Zealand national anthem. It was a Kiwi friend of mine, and they teach the multiverse in in schools over there, and he gave me a wonderful um, background on it all, and he doesn't mind the players not singing it,
1: and and his reason for that, Mitch because he
8: can see the the reason they've been picked for that jersey has not 100% things to do with singing the National Anthem. It has a small thing to do with athletic ability and loving your country to a point you dedicate your life to wearing that jersey.
2: But I don't think there's any suggestion, certainly not from me, any suggestion that those that aren't singing the anthem have any less passion for the jersey than those that do sing the anthem, And that was clear by the four that didn't sing the anthem in the rugby league test were four of our best players.
8: 100%. So
2: I don't think there's any suggestion that uh, they are any less uh, passionate or possess any Mm. less pride Mm. than those that do sing it. It's for whatever reasons they choose not to. But certainly, judging by the text line yet again this morning, Ray and Mitch, it is lighting up over this issue. And it is certainly one that tends to get people... Very, very upset and very, very angry.
1: We'll go to a quick break. But as we go to a break, news has come through from England that their greatest ever footballer, Sir Bobby Charlton, um, has passed away at the age of 86. Of course, Bobby Charlton was instrumental in England, winning their only World Cup in England in 1966, as well as Manchester United's European Cup triumph two years later. The great Sir Bobby Charlton passes away at the age of 86.
0: Talking all the overnight action.
4: Another one for Gay Waterhouse. He kicked it, so go all the way.
0: The big sports breakfast weekend.
1: Welcome back to the show with Dino and Ray. Dave Brown, 45 points 45. there, 87-7. Yeah, Fair effort. Detonator Bondi, Jackie, let me know I was wrong about that. Um, a couple other, Sorry, Dino? Yeah. No, I was
2: just going to say, Ray, South Africa yeah. have scored yes. in the Rugby Union World Cup. It's 15-13 to England, and we've got 10 minutes to go, Ray. Yep. 15-13, of course, means that they are now within penalty goal range. So exactly. if they can get good field position in South Africa, hold the ball, have a few phases with every chance... As we know in rugby union, right? Yep. The arm will go up, and it'll be decided <laughs> by a penalty goal. A
1: couple of more people have SMSed in. One biggest slacking Georgia Tech beat the Bulldogs two hundred and twenty-two <laughs> to nil in US college football in nineteen sixteen. Wow! Peter Vorrings let me know, Ray, August seven two thousand and four Panthers seventy-two Manly twelve revenge. It took a long time.
2: Windell Smith says the Mother's yeah. Day massacre. After winning our first three games of the year, we went to Raymond Terrace. And we got rolled by 96 points to four. Mm, remember, shit. I played footy once, Ray. We lost... Uh, I played for the Forestville Ferrets. Mm. We played Harbold. And we lost 84 points to two. And myself and a mate of mine, we kicked field goals. Oh, fair Just dinkum. to get on the board. 84 to So two. it was 84 to two.
1: I had a couple of bad ones over the years, too. I remember once we played at a place called um, Borellon. And it was my first game in first grade. I was in the Air Force at the time um, playing for the... The Raffwogger Cats for the Geelong Jumpers, and they put me in a forward pocket, and I hated it because I like to be on the ball. Anyway, it was about two degrees. It was absolutely freezing cold. We got um, beaten by about 25 goals. A ball never came up the four line at all. And then to cap it off, Dino, went back to have a shower after the game. No hot water. Nothing. Worst day.
4: Worst, Worst day of your day. life.
1: Richard Callender's on the line. Richie, good morning. Waterford, oh so close, mate. Oh, come on, Ray. Come on, Ray. (laughs) Good run, though. Good run. I've just got over
9: it. Uh, No, look, it was a great run A a breath. Uh, I think one stride after the post, he's he's in front. But uh, no, um, you talk about confidence and riding the crest of a wave. Um, The Bill Ritchie on Rodina for Cathy O'Hara now on Epson, now a 5 diamonds prelude. You talk about a person that's grabbing all the opportunities with both hands, I think Cathy O'Hara, um, summed it up yesterday, winning the feature and and great reward for Cathy and Johnny Sargent. But mm. yeah, uh, Waterford was close, and uh, hopefully we'll we'll do that dance again in a couple of weeks, uh, three weeks time in the two million dollar five diamonds, and it's going to be one hell of a race. I was just about to
2: ask you, Rich, how hard will Waterford be to beat in the five mm. diamonds?
9: Oh, there's a few others that'll come from left field. i spoken, and I know you're going to speak to Peter Snowden shortly. Was very good uh, winning the Falante yesterday. I, I thought Democracy Manifest was close to the run of the day yesterday in, mm. at Ramwick, and he comes out of the same race. He's got a mile back. Look, I think what's shown the last few weeks, the last month in Sydney racing, is barriers uh, more important than ever at the moment. It's at Rose Hill where Waterford drew and had to come wide. It was impossible. Um, Coda Healy did it yesterday. You can't. You've had to draw on a barrier and save ground. Horses that have come wide at Rose Hill particularly and even Ram yesterday they may as well stay at home in their box so barriers will be the biggest thing in a few weeks time like the golden eagle you draw a good barrier you're in the game you draw a bad barrier and you know, it's going to be very hard
1: exactly hey Rich um, I've opened up a Pandora's box here really the, the whip debate again and I've I've got um, a gentleman Peter's chimed in Ray listen listening with interest on your comments re-experts saying that the use of the whip doesn't hurt the horse to which experts do you refer this has come up due to Mark Zara being suspended until derby day and copping a $50,000 fine for his winning ride-on without a fight for excessive whip use before the 100 metres in the Caulfield Cup. A couple of things, Rich, I should point out. The the whip or the riding crop these days is not like it was even 10 oh. years ago. It, it It is literally... It is very flexible. I've felt it. I've... I've even struck myself from the leg. I know you've done it. it, it, it... Listen, we'll leave you in Kenya's activity. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <But it> really... <laughs> no, what I was trying to say was... <laughs> <it's> not... <laughs> was it Rich, doesn't, I thought it the does... same thing. I thought <laughs> no. I'm not going to say, but I knew oh, you well, would. Oh, I didn't think that. Gee, where are you guys going? It's a breakfast <laughs> joke. But my point was it doesn't hurt the horse. And the people who know, Rich, the people who are in the game are adamant about this. And maybe the sport doesn't do enough um, to, to emphasise that point. But back to mark zara's situation the rules do allow stewards to potentially lodge a protest if they believe a horse has been given an unfair advantage by excessive whip use they didn't do that yesterday i think that rule should be thrown out rich what do you think
9: i agree you're right look I, I think racing uh, over the decades has been very poorly sold in that relation mm. there's the, the animal welfare and the levels that Racing across the board, and I can only speak from uh, having been in meetings with racing New South Wales about the level of what uh, we're expecting in relation to animal welfare is just beyond incredible. Trainers and owners from years gone past just wouldn't inc- wouldn't believe the levels we go to to make sure that the the horses cared for um, early on during racing careers, post racing career. There's no way that r- the racing participants are doing anything that was going to harm the horse, mm. uh, and if Someone has is caught, caught doing that. Well, the the full force of the stewards come down on them. We haven't sold that right. Um, there's no one yesterday watching the Caulfield Cup would have jumped out of their lounge chair or at the pub or turned to their mate and said that didn't look good. We we we, we are just the the greatest own goal industry in the world. Um, we've created it. Unfortunately, we've infiltrated by. Um, some that are uh, are certainly not animals or horse lovers or in the industry, and we've allowed them to creep in, and now we're taking orders from those who don't really care. And it's not about stopping the whip. It's not about stopping the crop. It's not about doing that. It's about stopping racing full stop. Don't kid yourself that that's not what the end mark is, but there's always a stepping stone towards it. Victoria certainly uh, across the line allowed a lot of this to happen, and I think it's a matter for the rest of the states to turn up Victoria and say this is the way it is. Uh, it's happening, which is great. Yesterday, I think the stewards got it right. But um, on the other side of the coin, if you're going to have this silly rule, mm. maybe they're going to change the result one day. There'll be all held to pay, but fifty thousand dollar fine. And I don't think it looked. I don't think
1: anyone watching the race would say, "Wow." Look, that was awful. We just keep kicking our own goals in racing. Yeah, it's, it's a strange situation there. Hey, Rich, um, I want to talk to you about Kathy O'Hara and her form this spring. And, and John Sargent made the point yesterday post-race with his win on Palmetto. She is riding out of her skin. Cathy very humbly said she's just trying to maximise her opportunities at the moment. She's getting some good opportunities and she's making them count. But... Um gee, gee, it's just great to see a person like her who works so hard get the rewards, Rich. A hundred percent. And, look,
9: uh, um, she got the, the, the kick to get on Redina with the, the less weight, and that's how you get a kick. You look at Glenn Boss. Mm. Glenn Boss wouldn't have got on, you know, so you'd think if it wasn't the three year old going to the Cox plate, uh, he might have got on Mackay Diva and they the lightweight. I think a lot of jockeys have got opportunities. Cathy got it, but then it's not a matter of just getting the opportunity. You've got to do things right. Otherwise, there's a, there's a line up of those that want the ride. Cathy Rhodes, uh, Redina wins the, the Bill Ritchie. Um, I know Chris Wallace, spoke to Neil wear it. And Max Whippy, the owners, said, Cathy well, can ride in the Epsom. It's got the fifth. They no, said, mate, happy with that. Bang, she rides at a treat, wins the Epsom, and uh, uh, the calls come. Um, there's always The old days we just say there's no better advertising for a trainer or a jockey than the Sunday paper. Well, uh, I think we can make that more modern and say there's no better advertising than Greg Radley or Corey Brown or, or, or Chantelle interviewing you after the race. That's the best publisher you, you can get, and Kathy's beaming smile you can't help but watch and, and, and admire. Right? She's one of the, the, like, we've got Rachel King coming through now. So many young women. Um, but Kathy, she used to sit in the jockey's room by herself. and I know mm. she got fined a couple of times for having a phone in there. Well, she was bored. She was bored. She was there by herself. Now, it won't be long before the boys will be in there, and they'll have the little room and Kathy and that'll be in the big mansion.
2: Outnumbering the boys, yeah. yeah. Hey, Rich, just interrupting. South Africa has just kicked a penalty goal to hit the front 16-15 over England. And we've got about oh, a minute and a half remaining. So What's this is going in? to be. What's that in, dog In the Rugby Union World Cup.
1: All oh, right, okay, thanks.
2: <laughs> yeah, not interested, today, eh, Rich? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Interest level about zero.
2: Yeah, I could sense that. He's all more, he's I more interested the in the cricket. Interested, dog,
1: I'll tell you what, I,
2: I was interested in, Rich. I saw this batsman. I don't know who he was playing for. He's a left-hander. He hit 163 off 124 oh. balls the other night. Really, what was his serious? name? Bigger Mitch Marsh serious. was up the other end.
9: Yeah, Marsh has got another hundred up the end. I think both teams were cheering.
2: What for? <laughs>
9: we'll go back. We'll go back. History will tell you. I think. <laughs> oh, mate! No bowling half trackers. is please. You're not going <laughs> to please until we play Ferningham. Don't start bag- Don't start rapping it, mate. We'll play. Right, 163,
2: 124 balls will be good at park footy. Let alone in a World Cup. But,
9: but, Bulldog, I don't understand. So if you write, if you write, i said this before, if you write 20 articles and no one reads them, and then you write an article and you get massive reads, does Rupert ring and say, oh, dog, don't worry about the other 20? Great article this week. No, he doesn't. He says, dog, you don't get the 21st article because no one's watching. Anyway, no one's Rich, you know what
2: I've done? I've done my job. I've stirred you up. You're now <laughs> probably going to go and have a yell at the cat, and we're going. No,
9: yeah, dog, I'm, yeah. know are I'm getting, I'm I'm standing in the main bar of a joint that you absolutely love. Where's that? At the Oriental Hotel here at Mudgee. Oh, oh, Yes,
2: Terrific spot up there. How's Desi? De-
9: De- 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 Desi's in water. For De- Desi's, let me tell you, Desi's got more money more money than the world. <laughs> Yet his kid, he's away with his grandkids. He said, i got a $5 million property on the water. You know what they wanted to do? They went camping. There was ants, there was flies. He said there was a hole in the tent. He said, I love camping.
1: Each to your own. Hey, Richard, Thanks, Rich. Thanks, Rich. i We've got Peter Snowden waiting. Thanks so much, Rich. We'll talk next Sunday. Sir sure, boys. Well done, Peter. There's uh, Richie Cowan. Peter Snowden joins us now. Peter, good morning. And, well, congratulations with Unspoken. Am I right, Pete, in saying you sort of got left in front by default, and, but he, he was just too good anyway yesterday?
3: Yeah, hey, good morning, Ray. Yeah, you're right. He's... um. Yeah, intention certainly wasn't a lead, mm. but uh, when he jumped so well, and there's three or four others following him, and there's uh, a three deep uh, facing the breeze, I'll just let him roll forward and run his own race from the front. But it's uh, a bit of a shock to see him there. But but look, he, he handled handled well. And I was a bit of frightened. Uh, what I thought in my mind, like he never ever never ever led before, and he's never been led in a gallop. He's always comes from behind him in his work, So I thought he's going to start stargazing for sure uh, when he hits the straight. But uh, he didn't. He uh, it was really good for the line.
1: Yeah, he won by four lengths, and it was quite a dominant win. And his previous two wins, he'd come from off-speed, so he showed a new string to his bow, so to speak, yesterday. Full steam ahead now to the five diamonds, Pete?
3: Absolutely, Ray. Yeah, just just to clear on, on the qualification of the race yet. I, I, I know it's a set-weight and penalty race, but... Uh, so that, uh, the reason I went there is to make sure his rating is high enough that he wouldn't get balled out. So, I went in a handicap yesterday, I'd probably gave him an extra point or two, but mm. that, that should put him up in the mid 90s. So, uh, hopefully, that's, uh, that gets him a, a run in the race. But uh, as a racer, it's a race we've been looking at for quite a while. He fits the category, he's five year old, and it just looks a perfect race for him. And now he's coming into form and 800 metres. And I think that's his right trip as well.
2: Yeah. Peter, I was going to ask you about uh, Andrew Atkins. He seems to have forged a really good partnership with Unspoken.
3: Yeah, well, he's... Uh, Tommy Sherry's been riding him later. just a bit of a mix-up with the weights so he didn't get the ride on Saturday. But Andrew uh, filled the bill well, and, and uh, he's a good kid. He's, he's ridden him work quite a few times, so he knew the horse. So um, it was always good to have someone on that uh, has ridden him before. Um, but he did a did a great job yesterday. He took the initiative up and did what we didn't think he'd do. Uh, but in hindsight, the uh, video in back three pairs back on the fence he could have been involved in a bit of a scrimmage on the corner so uh, all in all we've got him, give him a big tick for a good ride yesterday
1: it, Absolutely, and Pete, it was a good day overall for the stable the King and no more lies, one at Kembla Don Corleone again hitting the line hard in the Gothic Stakes is a good race in him, surely um, Quick update, Pete, on Mars, who we out of the
3: Everest last week? Yeah, he came through the run well, I was Terrified when the incident happened in the race. He'd have to have cuts on him everywhere. But he had one little nick on his leg, which is minor. Other than that, he comes through unscathed. But he looks a million dollars. So, uh, um, yeah, just a shame he missed that run. I still like goes back on that run that he missed costume dearly. Uh, um but anyway, we're through with that. We're over that now and he looked towards the Giga Kick yep. in a couple of weeks and uh, and he was there hit that race in, in really good order. So I uh, no, look forward to a good run for him. He ran well on the Giga Kick
1: last year. And just an update on King's Gambit. I know you're looking towards the Coolmore on November 4. Is he all full steam ahead for that at this stage? Yeah, no. He's,
3: he's going really well as a bit of work's gone into him, um, mm. as far as just sort of getting his pre-race manners in, in check. He's been to trials a couple of times, He talked to me on Monday, he went to Kemble yesterday and worked, and yesterday I gotta say the boys said I wasn't there, but they said he, he never turned there all day, he saddled up, pre-parade was excellent, so he's, uh, all the work's starting to pay off now, so hopefully he takes out the grand final day and mm. gets there in, in right order and, and in a sensible manner, and um, he runs a race where, well, you know, we, we're expecting him to do. Will you give him another look up the
1: straight before the Coolmore in a jump out or, or trial, Pete? Or?
3: Yeah, Ray. He'll go to Melbourne on Tuesday night, yeah. uh, arrive Wednesday morning, he'll trial on Friday uh, down the straight, which is always good. It's just it's a very difficult race. That, uh, he totally went P-shaped first up, so hopefully now that runs under his belt, a bit more racing, a bit more work, and a little barrier trial just to teach him just to settle when he jumps on, on next week, and that'll hopefully go towards every box we need to do for come Day. Terrific, yeah. Well,
1: the stable's going great, Pete. Congratulations with unspoken yesterday and appreciate your time on a Sunday morning.
3: Always a pleasure, guys. Thanks
1: very much. There's Peter Snowden, trainer of Unspoken, who was just too good for them and now races into the five diamonds. Dino, South Africa sixteen, England fifteen. They fought back from fifteen six down to win their World Cup semi final. They'll take on New Zealand next week in the rugby world cup final. The defending champ found a way, Dino.
2: Yeah, it was a big win, wasn't it? We said that a penalty goal would decide it. It was <laughs> a scrum infringement. Just near halfway How about a 50-metre penalty goal? Yeah,
10: you picked it, Dino, didn't you? I'm so disappointed I wanted England to win. Oh, did you? Oh, okay. Once Australia was... You know, no Umled chance out. whatsoever. Tan, there
2: is some sort of warming of the cockles winning and lose <laughs> twice in two different World Cups yes, on the same day.
10: I understand, I understand. But I did want them to win. Oh, and you picked it. You said that, a penalty, yeah, goal. penalty goal. It's like a, a s- penalty shootout, isn't it? And for scrum really, infringement. Yes. Just, just
1: pick your mark. What are you going to penalise for? Okay, I'll oh, give this. It just anyway. frustrating. Hey, Tan, we've got, goes on. <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> we've got some big meetings at Coonabarabran.
10: Coonabarabran Cup Day and Liz Moore amongst others uh, for the scratchings, Tan. Let's start with Coonabarabran where the weather is fine in the track, a good for The rail is true and there are 20 scratchings. Race one, take out 12, Specular number 12. From race two, number seven, Every Last Penny, eight, Fruit Tingle, and 11, Is He Out? Seven, eight, and 11. Race three, number eight, Winter Moon, number eight. From race four, take five, My Diamond Boy, six, Zunile, seven, Cemented in the Emergency, 15. Five, six, seven, and 15. Out of race five, number seven, Pir- Pyramid of Fire number seven, race six, number two, Barney Rabble and three, Crystal Chief two and three, race seven, number six, Dreamer Deal and seven, Amicus Curi six and seven, and race eight, take out four, Jurley. 5, Lost Cowboy. 6, Midnight Dream. 9, Sini. Emergencies, 16 and 19. 4, five, six, nine. 16 and 19 from race 8 at Coonabarabram. Liz Moore, the weather is fine. The track is soft 5. The rail is out 2.5 metres from the 9.50 to the 300. 1.5 from the 300 to the winning post through the remainder. And there are 14 scratchings. Out of race 1, take 5, Rain, Water and 9, Danger Use five and nine race two number two gleaming legend number two race three is clear from the fourth take 13 self-worth number 13 race five number five dusky dancer six north of eli eight kadiris Nine Russian Diva, five, six, eight and nine. From race six, number three Cold One, six Bordy and eleven Art Heist three six eleven. And out of race seven, number seven, Wedding Tent, nine all too quick and eleven Miliffy. 7 9 11 from race 7 at Lismore. Thanks so much Tan. Tips today at Coonabarabran race 3 number 1
1: titled Tycoon race 6 number 4 simply extravagant and in the cup race 7 I thought the top weight number 1 nice edge would be hard to beat Lismore today pretty keen on race 3 number 2 vetoed into race 6 number 1 Burdekin here's the news
0: They're scoring tries at will. The Kiwis have produced their biggest ever margin of victory against Samoa today.
4: Teddy Machacek looking to make the point save. He surely has done a goal on debut for the Frenchman, and victory surely back the point. Will Jordan is nothing he can't do. New Zealand are off to the big one.
0: One goes over mid-wicket for six more. Gets the length he's looking for. because this has been a tremendous swing for them. On Sky Sports Radio and Radio Tab, the big sports breakfast weekend.
1: And welcome back to the show. Big second hour coming up. Peter Peters will join us shortly. John Sargent, the trainer of Palmetto, which won the Five Diamonds Prelude. Yesterday, will also join us in this hour. League super quiz score, Dino 19-17, unbeatable lead, Dino?
2: Well, not necessarily. We've got two weeks to go. Well, I can't beat you. No, but you can tie, Mm. and then I win on a count back because you went to England. What happens in if it's a tie? Well, I win because you went to England. Why? Well, you forfeited six weeks.
1: Well, but hang on, that doesn't count, does it, to the score?
2: You know what? Being a man of honour and integrity... I'm prepared to shake hands at 19-all and call it off. I've got to get there first. Correct. Um, I also if have... I've got my way, you won't. <laughs> yeah,
1: I understand. Phil Moss will also join us a little later to talk about the world of football. And just to, um, some quick housekeeping. Just repeating, um, South Africa have come from 15-6 down. They trailed all match. They've got up and beaten England 16-15 in their World Rugby um, World Cup Rugby Semi-Final. They now take on New Zealand All Blacks next week in the final. The reigning champs finding a way to get it done. In the UFC, unfortunately, Alexander Volkanovsky knocked out in the first round by Islam Markachev. A devastating defeat for for Volkanovsky there. Um, A first-round knockout uh, just happened uh, in the last hour or so. So that's big news there. And Dino, on other news, just coming through, We'll get an update very shortly on on um, uh, the uh, our talk topic. Sorry, I saw it's was going to uh, talk topic going to next, which is greatest shellackings, and Alan's let us know, classic shellacking secretariat in the 1973 Belmont States, winning by 31 links. <laughs> 31 links. Epic obliteration of the field. Got to say that. it's so 100% true.
2: Craig from Tamworth says, South Africa have just beaten the palms to make the World Cup, but I wonder whether Piers Morgan has claimed England have won the Moral (laughs) World Cup. Good point. Outstanding point, Greg.
1: And no name on this one, Tanya. How could you possibly cheer for England after the way that flogged Piers Morgan carried on? I now enjoy England losing more than I enjoy Australia winning. No name on that one. Of course, England losing twice to South Africa in um, major World Cup matches, losing that rugby semi-final, sixteen 16-15. The penalty goal in the last two minutes, I think it was, Dino? Yes, correct. And of course, in the ODI world cup overnight um england were beaten by south africa who scored seven for 399 in their 50 overs england rolled for 170 in 22 overs you love that don't you
2: i do i love it i love seeing the poms get a little clip over the years gee i can't wait to speak to Zulba. here he is on the line i can't wait he's frothing at the mouth as always
1: dramas hasn't he peter peters good morning
2: Morning Ray, morning Bulldogs. Jesus, set the news agenda. What have you done? (laughs) Well,
7: the issue over the non-singing of the national anthem has really taken on um, a lot of space this week in all of the media, and much has been said and and uh, about sporting stars zipping it when it comes to the non-traditional, or not the non-traditional, but the the pre max singing of the National Anthem. I I remain strongly in the No Sing, No Play camp as the situation continues to bubble in all of our major sports now, in cricket, rugby and rugby league. Now, the Australian spinner, Adam Zampa, who you wouldn't believe it, has got the nickname Zorba. Uh, (laughs) Can you believe that? He took the dead fish option during the Anthem prior to Australia versus Pakistan World Cup game in India on Friday night. After we discussed the situation on this segment last Sunday, it quickly became the big sporting story of the week. The Australian rugby league coach, Mal Meninga, and it's not his position to <clears throat> make rules on this, but he took the easy way out and said it was the right of players to decide to sing or not. I'm okay with that. And that's fair from Mal. It's gone too far, and it won't change any time soon. But I don't like what's happening behind the scenes to some players in sport, Hmm. particularly young players coming through, like the 21-year-old flyer Selwyn Cobbo. I got a call this week at school a few years ago when he was captain of Mergen State High. He led the school strongly in the National Anthem. Obviously, the influence of other players has led to him having a change of heart over the issue. The situation will be continued uh, to be under the microscope, and and I can't see an easy way out.
11: Mm. I've
7: I've thought about it this week. Perhaps perhaps a a decision by the Australian Rugby League needs to be made, Uh, but... I saw some spine jingling anthems yesterday and I've gotta say, God bless New Zealand, my opinion, amongst the best national anthems in the world, when you have the cultures coming together, joining as one, it is spine it's jingling and yeah. it's a shame that we've got this cloud over ours mm. right at this moment in time again and it's not
1: gonna go away, it's just gonna keep exploding. So I'm gonna Talk very selfishly on this issue. We can't drop Adam Zamper. He's taken bags of four for the last two innings and, he, and last two ODIs. He's the only spinner in the ODI World Cup, so we can't drop him. <laughs> well, he's a fringe player, so we could. We, oh, he's our only spinner. We can't drop him. We need well, him. Mate, the way he's been buying, he might as well have been buying tennis balls. He's up taken until eight this he's taken match. eight wickets the last two matches. Four for 47. Yeah, the last two matches
7: prior to that, they dodged him all over the park. The two good sides have no problem putting him over the fence. Mm-hmm. Then we play a couple of Mickey Mouse sides. Park start, please. Give me a break.
2: <laughs> and then, <laughs> after all this finally dies down, you you have a stink with Peter Pasultis. What happened there? Well, I want to have the final word on that. Last week in this
7: segment, I gave an opinion about the rugby league callers on Channel 9. I gave my view that Brenton Speed was the best option that Channel 9 had in what is proving a futile search to replace the retired great Ray Warren. I said Nine had some strugglers on their books, particularly North of the Tweed. No names were mentioned, but ouch, it upset one caller, almost completely unknown in New South Wales, by the name of Peter Pasaltis, a Danny DeVito, clown or clone, whatever you like. He spent time on his 4BC program the following day, last Monday, attacking me and my career in the media. It was a rant typical of a non-performer trying desperately to be relevant. The Saltus is a puppet to Brisbane and Queensland based Rugby League players past and present. A brown-nosed buffoon terrified of upsetting what audience he has. Those of us in New South Wales don't need to worry about this bloke. We will never hear him except as a last resort for Channel 9 when they can't get anyone else to call a game. He doesn't have the ability to compete in the Sydney media. He is in his right place
1: preaching to cane toads. That's wow. This is, this is going to get ugly, Dino. Wow. This is going to get ugly.
2: Have you got that off your chest? Do you feel better now?
7: Well, that was easy. I mean, you know what I'm like. <laughs> it's water off a duck's back. I don't mind being criticised. I, I constructively criticise, and if I cop it back, I cop it, water off a duck's back. It's brown but nose particularly, constructive. <laughs> particularly from him. I mean, who is he?
2: Ah, oh, Zorba. You know what? We'll never silence him. we never want to. Long may you... Have your say publicly with such ferocity and passion.
7: Well, good fun, isn't it? I've been doing this <laughs> for a long time.
2: What about the actual... Um, go on, Zorba, sorry.
7: No, it's okay. I, um, I can't believe how much this has divided mm. opinions, but it's interesting in all of the news polls, it was interesting on 4BC the day after, uh, the same day that the soldiers had a crack at me, Um, Bill McDonald on the the program, he's replaced Ray Hadley up there. They've gone with a local, and it's disastrous. He called for listeners' views on um, whether players should be stood down. The first six callers he took, four said, yeah, I agree with Zorba. (laughs) (laughs) So they had to shut down that pretty
2: quickly, particularly as – as Danny DeVito was coming on later. It will be interesting next week in Melbourne's Orb, when the camera pans along the Australian side when the anthem is being played. As to whether those four players sing, I would doubt that they will. Mm. And I guess even more so now, they might think that they won't be pushed or railroaded into singing, but it will certainly be compelling to see whether they partake in our anthem. A, a trainer is just text in. I won't mention who it
1: is, just said Group 1 from Zorba. <laughs> and Willow from Windsor says, good to hear Zorba's thoughts again this morning. You know he isn't someone to mess with when Ray Hadley says during the week, quote, you don't want to get into a blue with Zorba Peters. That's a bloody good compliment, I reckon, from Willow from Windsor. Zorb, there you go.
2: Zorb, what about Australia v New Zealand? Uh, we will be playing them for two successive weekends. Uh, you think Australia will win, but and it was only Samoa yesterday who were disappointing, but the Kiwis, gee, they're Good. powerful, yeah. aren't they? Good.
7: Well, let's, let's look at it. Samoa, they are in the World Cup final just over a year ago. You know, they've got players like Murray Tualagi. They've got three backs from Penrith's Grand Final winning side in Isaac Tago, Brian Tuchel, and Stephen Crichton. They've got Junior Paulo, Luciano Leilua, Spencer Luyanu, Royce Hunt in the forwards. They're not a Mickey Mouse side. And Australia, I beat them, but they weren't all that impressive in beating them. I like this New Zealand side. You know, Nickel Costa mm. at fullback, Mulatano, Tomoko, Manu, Osako, Dylan Brown, Jerome Hughes, man of the match yesterday. Um, James Fisher-Harris, front row, and the silent skipper shines. Early mm. days yet in his captaincy career, but it looks like it's a master strike to make him the captain. He was inspiring up front. I think he's the best front row forward in the game. Uh, he's, his coach, Michael Maguire, spoke about taking the Kiwis to a new level. Um, he leads, by example, and um, he heads up a big pack ready to rumble with Australia next week down in Melbourne. Mm, the Kiwis, Kiwis toyed with Samoa. 50 to nil, flogging at Eden Park. They went into the home of rugby. And um, and really performed in a great performance. Um, I think they'll test Australia. I think they'll. I think right at this moment in time, they may have a, a, a side a little bit better than ours. I think in the next two weeks we'll be tested. Um, if I'm if I'm going to have a bet, I would never bet against Australia. But those who just bet with their uh, with their head and not their heart. Um, they should take the start that'll be on um, on offer on TAB Sports Bet next week. Go big, I reckon. the final uh, following weekend in Hamilton, New yes. Zealand, um, will be a cauldron for the Aussies to go into. And I don't think it'll be a trap because New Zealand are up for this game. And um, I think the likes of Joey Manu, James Fisher-Harris, Joseph Tarpany, and then off the bench, the veterans Kieran Foran and... Big Nelson and Sofa Solomona. They really give um,
1: New Zealand an edge in this. Yeah, no, it's going to be two terrific test matches. No such thing as a dead rubber you know. I don't reckon. Hey, um, Zorb, this is a good story. Rugby League's godfather to be made a life member of the SCG Trust. Yeah,
7: December the 5th, Ken Alperson. He, um, he told me yesterday he's awfully excited. He'll be announced as a life member of the Sydney Cricket Ground Trust. It's a great honour for the 94-year-old... Um, Veteran, greatest administrator in my book in, uh, mm. in rugby league and one of the nicest guys that um, is on this planet. So
1: um, we wish him well on his big occasion on December the 5th. Yeah, a tremendous honour. Uh, so what's this about international golfers and their week-long Bucks parties? Well, there's a, um, there's a big event, a big uh, teams event
7: going on in America starting, I think, in the next couple of days. Uh, for live golf and then after that i understand a week-long bucks party will get underway in the u.s um for close mates of one of the game's um best players so um i know someone that's over there and um, it's not up to me to uh mention the uh the player's name he'll announce his um, his pending marriage when he's ready to but um a week-long event. That's a buck Party Bulldog, one that even would see the end of you.
2: Yeah, I couldn't do that. I'm one day now, and then I spend the next really? day in bed. Terrible.
1: Aren't you in training for America? I,
2: I don't know what I'm going to do. Someone <laughs> actually told me, and I'll ask the listeners to confirm this, that you cannot buy light beer in America. You can buy Ludd, uh, Bud Light Etc, which is light on, on mm. uh,
4: carbs. carbs, but not, not actually
2: alcohol. alcohol. So I'm in big trouble. Oh.
4: Big, you trouble, are in big
7: trouble, Zorb. And those who travel with you will suffer. <laughs> now,
2: what about these texts? They're piling in. Are you ready for them, Zorb? Oh, I'm ready, mate. Zorba is king, says Poller from Balgala. Straw wow. from Glen Innes says Zorba is giving Peter Pesaltis a shellacking, <laughs> which is topic. our talk topic. So, plenty of support. And then we go Zorba yeah, has is. had it for in for Peter Pesaltis before. His comments were personal and not constructive. And finally, Zorba, one that I agree with wholeheartedly. Zorba, you're a moron.
1: (laughs) Well, plenty of people agree with that. There's one here from Alan Zorb. Great to to see that Zorba's overcoming shyness classes are finally working. You must learn to form an opinion, Zorb. That's from Alan (laughs) Hey Zorb. Good on you, mate. Appreciate it as always. We'll talk next Sunday. Nice tipping yesterday. Did you see the cup winner? Uh Gold Trip. Yeah, my, my yeah.
7: horse, my early selection went terribly. Francesco
1: Guardi went at the back. Um I I, I think Gold Trips weight's gonna tell against him, Zorb. It was a terrific run yesterday in the Caulfield Cup. Can without a fight run a strong two miles? I don't know. West wind blows, heading the right way. I'm still sticking with Sulkham. He was my Caulfield Cup selection. He missed the start. He'll be better at Flemington. I want to be on him at this early stage, Zorb.
7: Okay, interesting. Great times. I loved yesterday's racing, and the next couple of weeks are going to be great too. Mm. Have a good one, boys. See you, Zorb. Zorb.
1: There's Peter Peters talking all things rugby league and everything else he wants to get off his chest.
2: (laughs) He, uh, Zorba, I've known Zorba for 40 years, you know. He hasn't changed, never changed. He hasn't changed. He never will change. And you know what I love about Zorba? He doesn't care about the PC Brigade. He doesn't care about the Woke Brigade. Any of those moral groups in society, if Careful he where you says go it, here.
1: Where you go he here.
2: says it, though. And you know what? You've got to admire that. He cops, his hammer. he cops a hammering along the way, right? It's his opinion. Yeah. It's his opinion, and he'll keep on giving it. Love him or hate him, you have to admire the fact that he's got the you-know-whats to come on here every week. And say it as it is. Mm. Eddie from Macquarie Fields.
1: Biggest sporting shellacking came in World Cup soccer in April 2001 when the Socceroos beat poor American Samoa, 31-0 in a qualifier. Archie Thompson scored 13 goals. Two days prior, American Samoa defeated 22-0 by Tonga. I think they're making a movie about that, Dina. A bit like... um, Remember Cool Runnings and the yes, Jamaican bobsled team? Yeah, that's the same sort of one, thing. That's
2: ridiculous in uh, in soccer.
1: Archie, Archie Thompson had a field day. A few calls on the line know Adrian's here. Adrian, good morning.
6: Yeah, good day, guys. Just a few things like with the, uh, the anthem and also um, regarding you know players playing for two different nations. Just with the anthem, well, it was interesting to see when the women's 15 rugby side, the Wattaroos, well, two of those girls didn't sing the anthem either. So, you know. I think what they got, to, what Australia's got to do, they have got to uh, copy New Zealand. They got to, the Indigenous people got to come up with, with a like a war cry, or a war dance, war cry, like they do with the Indigenous game. Do that as, as a po- like in, in as if it was their harker, and then possibly come up with a new anthem. That's Isn't the air.
2: welcome to country similar, Adrian, to that? Isn't no, that?
6: no, it's not. No, 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 way. it's not. Like, it's not similar to the to the um, haka at all, um, Bulldog. I mean. Well, I'd be in support of some of the uh, indigenous people. I Probably wouldn't sing myself as my, if I was in the Australian team. And to say, you, you know, you can't play because you're going to you know, sing the anthem. Well, I, I disagree with that wholeheartedly. I mean, it was interesting to see the guy that wrote the um, lyrics to Solid Rock. Well, he's handing back his MBE because Australia voted no. So we've got to we've got to look. But, but whether it was no or yes, they've just got to fix up that situation with the indigenous people. Just on playing for two nations, I fully support it. I mean, if you're an Australian woman in Australia, but you've got a Samoan or, um, you know, Tongan parent, I think you should be able to play for two different countries. I mean, I think it's fantastic that um, uh, Tyson Frizzell's playing for Tonga in the Test Series against England. I'm looking forward to that. And, and I think it just strengthens um, uh, international rugby league, which has been fantastic with these strong, stronger teams. And, you know... For Mal, I mean, he ain't going to come out. Mal just wants to have everyone playing for Australia and wants Australia to win 80-0 every week.
2: I said that last week, Adrian. I said I don't think it's a good thing for International Rugby League, for Australia, to stockpile Mm. 25 players. I mean, let's spread the talent around. And look, if they're eligible, Ray, they're eligible. If their grandfather represented Tonga or Samoa or New Zealand or whatever it may be, then they are allowed to play for that nation.
1: Yeah, it's fair enough. And
2: that's me. the rise of the Pacific nations, albeit Samoa has struggled this year, has been through NRL players going back to okay. play for their nations.
1: Should then those players be allowed to come back into the kangaroo fold? It's Like a a Stephen tough one. Crichton, for example, or Brian Toto. Could they then come back into the kangaroo fold?
2: It's based on tiers. So there are two tier nations, so they can come back. Okay. It's a bit like State of Origin. Some people say, well, how can you play State of Origin and then go and play for Tonga? Yeah. Because essentially, State of Origin, in the old style, pure interstate, mm. was a uh, rehearsal to see who played for your country. Because mm. now they're not doing that. They're going to play for other countries. But look, if they're playing for the smaller nations and those smaller nations are getting better, like Adrian says, I think we have to applaud it.
1: No, fair enough. John's
2: been waiting patiently. John, good morning. Morning, Ray.
11: Morning,
2: Dino. Good you
1: John. Terrific, John.
11: Yeah, just want to have a talk about the singing and the
1: anthem thing, fellas.
11: um, Out of curiosity, I Googled a couple of 1978 Kangaroos uh, games, fellas. Mm, Yeah. Max Krillich was captain of that side. The memories, I know Bobby Fulton was captain, but Max was in that side. The entire side never sang the anthem
2: at Bratchett. I saw that. I saw that vision. It was very unusual because I didn't (laughs) realise that going back in time. Uh, It was sort of played by a sounded like a band on the field. Okay. So it was a little bit different, I guess, to it being piped through the system Mm -hmm. through a professional uh, singer. But yeah, they didn't sing the anthem, which it did surprise me. Unusual, yeah. It did surprise me, John.
11: Yeah, look, I think the timing of this uh, uproar is not good after the uh, politically divisive weekend we had last weekend. Uh, It seems to me that you can look at this as an attack on our Indigenous people and it's it's becoming more divisive, this this topic. Mm. I think it's up to the individual. I mean, even poor old Adam Zampa copped it during the week. Uh, I think with Adam Zampa, I think it was just simply a case where he got absolutely hammered in the first two games of the World Cup and he went into that game so focused on getting his act together that he was just... I've never seen him so pumped. Mm. So I, I think with we, we have to be careful, Australia, because we're starting to be known as a nation that loves to hate. You know, we, we talk about the Poms being whingers, fellas. We, we're getting worse than them. We seem to be, whether it's Djokovic, the anthem, you know, what Indigenous folk do or everything we seem to be whinging about something every week, boys.
1: Yeah, 100%. John, really thoughtful call, and I think it's, it's given us all reason to pause on this issue because John's writer has been... Um, divisive, and uh, um, yeah, I, I don't know where we go from here, Dino. Do we just simply allow it to be an individual choice? And if people want to sing the anthem, great. If they don't, so be it. But it certainly has, it's divided opinions, isn't it?
2: I think, Ray, we're just going to have to, as you say, allow the individual to determine whether he mm. or she wishes to sing the anthem. Yep. No, Each that. person has a reason why they want to sing it, and uh, I saw Katoni Stag's interview the day and he said, my life ambition was to play for Australia. Mm. And he got to live his dream, which was wonderful for Katoni, but that didn't include singing the anthem. Yeah. So it, there's a few anomalies in there, but if he chooses not to sing it, for whatever reason that is, and as I said before, Ray, we haven't actually interviewed those four players mm. in the Australian Rugby League team, so we don't know exactly why they're not singing it. No. Steve Renoff, I spoke to him during the week, Ray. He mm. said, I didn't always sing it. And it wasn't true being a lack of... Or through a lack of patriotism. I was thinking about other things. I was thinking yeah. about the game, or I didn't or, or the, there was noise in the crowd. There was a multitude of reasons as to why he didn't sing it, but it didn't make him any less passionate to wear the jersey.
1: Yeah, it certainly is a, a really interesting debate. We better take a quick break on the Big Sports Breakfast Weekend.
0: Talking all the overnight action. No oh, what a ball. We are going the distance. The most dramatic of victories. The Big Sports Breakfast Weekend.
1: And welcome back to the show. Most dramatic of victories yesterday, Dino, in the Five Diamonds prelude. Cathy O'Hara driving Palmetto home to the narrowest of wins over detonator Jack and Waterford. Trainer John Sargent's on the line. John, good morning. Congratulations. Did you think Palmetto had hung on yesterday?
12: Where I was, uh, Ray, yeah, was sort of 50 yards before the post, I thought he had, but then... Um when I saw the replay, I did not know.
1: Yeah, no, it was fantastic. And it, the, the judge has gone your way. Tremendous performance from a horse who had modest beginnings in the New Zealand South Island and was sent across um, earlier this year, I think by memory, John, to join your stable. He, he just keeps improving, Palmetto.
12: Yeah, he um, when he arrived, Ray, was very much like a European horse. He was weak and uh, had no neck or bottom or top line, so he took... He went two or three shocking races. I just put him out and brought him back in, put him out, brought him back until he, he looked like a horse. And um, he's starting to show his potential now that, um, you know, he'll get better mm. with more time too.
1: Exactly. He won the coast in, in the autumn and you gave him a chance at group one level in the Doombin Cup. And, but this spring he's just improved with every run. His win yesterday um, – Tenacious and tough, but is it fair to say, John, he'll be even better again when he gets out to 1800 metres for the five diamonds in three weeks?
12: Yeah, I, th- well, I think so, Ray, because he can put himself in a position that's one thing. As you said, Gay and Adrian's horses are up on speed, out of trouble. You can see yesterday um, that one of Chris Wallace who flew home for fourth. You I know, it's back yeah. in trouble. And, um, it's a hell of a help if you've got a horse that can run up on the speed.
1: Yeah, he can take up a position. It sort of takes bad luck out of the equation, doesn't yeah. it? Which he did yesterday. Um John, what 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 about going to the five diamonds now? Do you do much with this horse between now and Rose Hill November eleven?
12: No, he's a very clean witted horse. Ray, he'll he'll swim for the next couple of days and then go up the lead pony and um he'll only need probably two or three gallops and he does not need a hard gallop. He's fit now, he's a happy horse, so um just keep them happy and um, and three weeks will come up and hopefully you uh, will run well in that.
1: Big weekend for you and the owners because I think a few of the owners like yourself were watching the New Zealand All Blacks beat Argentina yesterday morning 44-6 to 6, and then their trackside to win the Million Dollar Five Diamonds Prelate and it, have you caught up with the news this morning? You'll be taking on South Africa next weekend in the final. They beat England 16-15 this morning, John.
12: Yeah, I know, I just saw the end of that After coming back from the stables I used to play rugby in South Africa, Ray And uh, uh, bloody hard No bloody hard, nuts to crack I would have Mm. rather got England in the final But it is what it is, we're in the final And uh, yeah, great result that was yesterday too
2: Mm. I was going to ask you, John uh, Glad you think so What are your thoughts in uh, next Saturday's Group 1 Spring Champion stakes?
12: Yeah, he's a lovely progressive stayer Um, The further he gets out, the better. That 2,000 will suit him. He runs on speed also. John Van Overmeer rides him. Much like Cathy O'Hara, they just suit certain horses. And um, he'll be up on speed. It'll be a tough race, but if the speed's on, and um, he'll be right there on the finish because he's a, a real, so you think, out now stayer. And, and um, if he runs well, well, we'll look at backing him up in the derby at um, Flemington.
1: No, he's, a, he's a lovely horse. As is your filly, John, called Harlow Mist, who ran midweek. She was unbeaten going into that Kenzo race. She came back to 15.50, but her run to finish the closest of thirds and eye catcher going forward towards the Oaks.
12: Yeah, that's... Uh, that I just wanted the take over run so we just walked her over the road from the stable she was back in a box in half an hour so mm-hmm. it wasn't a hard hit out for her she's not a big horse or a gross horse so that's just topped her off nicely um Blake Shin goes on board uh for the wake ball so that's a bonus as well he's had a lot of luck for this he won a wake good on lover lover for us actually
13: okay so um
12: mm-hmm. it's good to have uh uh Blake on board and she's come through the race well so He'll be going down in about 10 days' time for Flemington.
1: Fantastic. Hey, John, the stable is going great guns at the moment. Congratulations with Palmetto's win yesterday in the Prelude, and there's, it's hopefully there's more big race wins in store for you in coming weeks over the Spring Carnival.
12: Thanks very much, guys. Cheers.
1: There's John Sargent, terrific trainer, and did a great job with a horse. Who, Interestingly, Dino came across and, and as he said, was um, like a, a European. He was lightly framed and no condition on him. and But he's given him time to develop, and he's got a serious racehorse now, and,
2: and the best is ahead of him. I saw some vision again during the week. Right? I went back deliberately and looked at uh, the vision around the Everest from the mm. Saturday, or last Saturday. Gee, it was a great day, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, it was. Some insane. of the vision
2: that was around of the, the singing... Uh, Sweet Caroline, and the crowd was mm. just eaving, Ray. Have you, have you been to Everest, Dino? No. Okay, you've got to do it. Yeah, yeah no, you, I haven't you, been to one yet. Oh, You
1: won't be going Cup Day because you'll be in America, yeah. won't you? Yeah. You've got to go to Everest next year, Dino. You, you've got to, I know you've been invited a couple of times. It's worth going. Just it's like ticking off the bucket list It is huge.
2: Did I see PVL hoping to extend the, 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 uh, the amenities yeah. at Royal ram to get more people in? I don't
1: know if I can put an extra couple of... Uh, tears on the wink stand, oh, gee, I, I don't know about that, but um, that is potentially an option. I, I don't mind the idea of putting some marquees on the infield. Um, uh, it happens in other racetracks, and I know um, he went to the Kentucky Derby this year and saw how they do it over there, and they do it very well at Flemington during Cup Week. So that potentially is an option because um, there was just over 46,000 there last week, and you don't, you can't get too many more in, Dino, you know, so you've got to look at other areas to accommodate the crowd, which they are the hottest ticket in town for racing at the moment in Sydney, and uh, there'll be fifty thousand plus if they can if they can accommodate them safely next year. Hey Dino, League Super Quiz time, call now on thirteen fifty-three fifty-three. That's thirteen fifty-three fifty-three to be part of the League Super Quiz.
0: Talking all the overnight action. He's done it! A double hundred beautiful football, no title bigger than this. The Big Sports Breakfast Weekend.
1: Welcome back to the show with Dino and Ray. We had Adrian uh, tweet, a different Adrian to the call. He said, What a great call from John. Everyone just chill, man.
2: Too yeah. late for chilling, Ray. You've only got to go on Twitter every day yeah. to see the outrage. Everyone has to be outraged these days. Why? I'm outraged.
1: Anger is a wasted emotion, Dino. I'm outraged, Ray. What's the point of being angry?
2: They're always angry. You make bad decisions when you're angry. I just, I've said it to you before, I cannot digest the anger and pure hostility on Twitter. You need a holiday. Was all this <laughs> anger there in society before social media and we just didn't know? No.
1: No. Well, we probably didn't know. Dino, you need a holiday. I need a break. When do you fly out? First. Jeez, how about Wednesday day? week. How about that?
2: I know. First stop, pub crawl so up and down the LA coast. Now
1: you've, you've told us that there's only full-strength beer in those massive uh, glasses you get at those footy games. There's no point? Us calling you, you won't
2: be able to speak. Oh, come on! Still, <laughs> might be interesting for once. <laughs> coin toss. Producer
1: Steve's in studio. He's worried about the call. Cool Heads for me, please, Here we Steve. go. The coin. coin toss from producer Steve. Oh,
2: oh head, head it, is. it is. I will go first, right? Because I'm going to put the pressure on you, my friend. Yeah. No, he's call. well. It. One. Fault yeah. from you all along One stumble and That's it is great. over. And we're, we're playing for a lunch, aren't we? we uh, expensive lunch. But our listeners, more importantly,
1: are playing for a one hundred dollar cash card courtesy a tab.
2: Correct, Simon. Are you there? Yeah,
14: I'm
1: here, buddy. How so, are you today,
2: Simon. This is big for you, big for me. <laughs> Good <laughs> luck, Simon. Let's stick well, it to I'll, Ray, I'll, okay?
14: I'll give it a best shot. I'm a dragon supporter, so I'll give it a best shot. Have you been on before,
2: okay. Simon?
1: Yeah, yeah oh, I think Yeah, they've got to remember you. That's all right. He's, yeah. he's run
2: through. He's got anyway, good man, good Simon. Let's get it. into it. You ready?
6: Yeah, sure.
2: Which former Australian international had the nickname of Rowdy? Uh,
14: international
2: Rowdy. Can you give me a clue or not? <laughs> no, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can only go so far, Simon.
14: Yeah. <laughs> okay, how, how far are we talking back?
2: No. <laughs> come on, have a crack, Simon. Rowdy, Rowdy. You might get beeped oh. out here.
1: Okay. Uh, not Lockyer, oh. is
2: it? No, Rowdy. Dale Shearer. Is it because he was quiet? Oh, I oh, think yeah. it was. Yeah, the great Rowdy. Gee, he yeah. used to come good every year around State of Origin time. Simon, question number two. Who has coached the most games for Australia? That's coach. Is it A, Bob Fulton, B, Frank Stanton, or C, Don Furner?
14: I would say Bobby
2: Fulton. You are yeah. spot on, on Simon. On the board. One from two. Question three, Simon. Who holds the record for scoring the most tries for Australia? Is it A, Malmeninga, B, Ken Irvine, or C, Brian Carlson?
14: Ken uh, Irvine.
2: Ken Irvine is wrong, Simon. It was actually Ooh. Brian Carlson. One from three, Ray. My late father
1: used to always talk about Brian Carlson. What a great player he was, Dino. So. A winger? Uh, yeah, I think yeah. so. Well, obviously, well before winger. my time. Yeah. I'm mean, a bit
2: surprised, actually. I wouldn't have would have gone thought, Irvine, too. Yeah. yeah, Brian Carlson. Yeah.
1: Um, across to Shane. Shane, good morning.
14: Good morning, boys. How are
1: you? Terrific. Hey, Shane, need one to tie, two to win. How are you feeling? Yeah, confident now. Okay. <laughs> well, good luck, Shane. Here we go. Question number one. Which former Australian international had the nickname Sticky? Ricky Stewart. On the board. Good, solid start. What are you looking at, Dino? Well, rowdy was easy too. I'm just getting into the emotion of the oh, contest, okay. right okay. oh, I thought you were having a go at me. No, okay. that's just paranoia. No, it was, actually, because <laughs> normally you have a go at me straight away. A hey, good start, Shane. Question number two. This is multiple Choice. Who has played the most internationals for Australia? A, Malmeninga. B, Clive Churchill. C, Cameron Smith. Um, Cameron Smith. Yeah, I would have gone Cameron Smith. Actually, How Clive. Many was it? No, it was Clive Churchill. Ooh, really. Yeah, I wouldn't have thought I would have had as many Test matches back then. But no, yeah, Clive Churchill was the answer. Question number three: We need this for the win, Shane. Which team does did Australian international Cyril or Cess Blinkhorn never play for? A. North Sydney. B. Western Suburbs. C. South Sydney. Uh, Western suburbs. Oh, well done, Shane! Spot on. You knew that. You were confident there, Shane. Yeah. Yeah, well very done. Confident. Hey, Shane, a hundred dollar cash card courtesy of Tabs coming your way. Stay on oh, the yeah. line, Thank Shane. You. Hey, Shane, what's Thanks your you very much. what's your team, mate? What's your team? Newcastle. Oh, you had a good year. Yeah. Didn't make it to the final though. Yeah. Uh, we had a good year. They're on the way up, mate. Congratulations. Hey, Shane, stay on the line. We'll get all your details, and we'll get that $100 cash card out to you straight away. Dino?
2: There's drama. Why? There's drama. Yeah? The question I gave to Simon. Question one. Which former international had the nickname Rowdy? Yeah. It didn't say rugby league. A bloke's texting saying, "What about Rowdy Mallet? Ashley Mallet? Yeah. yeah, but it is the League Super Quiz, isn't it?" But Dino? it didn't say. It says Australian International. It could be a cricketer, and it also says League Super Quiz. You've been gypped, Simon. Sorry. If,
1: if it was Sports Super Quiz, one hundred percent.
2: Well, I'm just saying, Rowdy Mallet, I think deserves
1: absolutely brilliant Gully a fieldsman. rematch. Great Gully Fieldsman.
2: Great man, the ready Rowdy, Rowdy Mallet. Scared of spiders. Was he really? Dougie Walters once put chewing gum on the ball put a plastic spider on it and threw it to him as the ball was going back to the bowler. He caught it, threw the ball about 50 metres away in fear. Fear to give it. The great rowdy mallet. Okay. So are you... Well, I'm not comfortable, no. I'm not comfortable at all. In fact, I feel sick in the stomach, but let's get on with the show. League super quiz.
13: All right. (laughs) we better move
2: on. (laughs) There's drama
1: here. Phil Moss is on the line. Mossy, good morning.
13: Good morning, Ray.
1: Morning, Bulldog. Morning to
13: all our listeners. Happy Sunday.
1: Good on you, mate. He's not, he's not a happy man sitting next to me. He reckons there's another rot in the quiz. <laughs>
13: <laughs> well, I have to say I'm... Uh I'm in the middle of Long Reef Golf Course, so I really don't care how Bulldog's feeling this morning. About how the are you quiz. hitting him, Mossy? I'm hitting him really well, mate. Although my 22-year-old son Nathan is showing me up as always.
1: Oh, there you go.
13: There you go. <laughs> let's talk some football. Mate. Let's.
1: Well, let, let's talk A League last night, and of course, we're into round one. Just. Quickly update, Adelaide United won the first game on Friday night. 3-0 against Central Coast Mariners. They were far too good there. Yesterday, MacArthur won all against Brisbane. Western United 2-1 against Melbourne City. And Melbourne victory to Sydney FC. 0. what happened to Sydney FC last night, Mossy?
13: Deja vu is what it was, Ray. Same uh, same result, same outcome as uh, this time last year, the first, uh, first game of the season. It was a wet night that time, but uh, last night there was... Nothing wet about the performance, um, but it was a bit limp from Sydney. To be honest, it wasn't the performance Steve Corica was looking for. Uh, it wasn't the performance the Australia Cup win um, suggested was uh, was coming for round one. But credit to Melbourne Victory, they um, you know they gave as good as they got and uh, and came off deserved winners. But um, look, I, I still think Sydney FC are the team to beat over the course of the season. Um, you know they've got uh, they've got quality, they've got depth, um, they've got the confidence of winning the Australia Cup, but um, goes to show that the weekend results really go to show that, um, you know, anyone can win on their given day. It's it's round one, so it's still early days. We have the longest off-season in world football. So it does take teams uh, some time to find their rhythm. But, yeah. um, you know, Western United beating Melbourne City. Uh, I commentated that one last night for uh, Network 10. Hey, 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 and, hey. Um, I've told you before about these oh, free plugs. Oh, no <laughs> plugs? Okay, no plugs. Um, <laughs> I feel like that was coaching in the moment from Bulldog there. <laughs> but, um it was uh, yeah. Look, it was a good, really good performance from Western United. They hung in there. They defended really uh, resolutely, and um, and then they took their chances when they came. Hey, Mossy, what about the Mariners? Mm. Pumped three nil by Adelaide United. Yeah, Bulldog. I, I can't say I'm overly surprised with this one. Um, I thought maybe the Mariners would go there and cause the upset, but losing Nick Montgomery had done such a fantastic job with the club um, and a lot of players in the off season. New manager. Um, an Englishman who doesn't know the A-League yet, so he'll be finding his feet. So with the turnover, I'm not surprised uh, that Adelaide, with, a, with a, quite a, a stable squad, and obviously Carl Veard, who knows the A-League inside and out, um, not surprised by that result. Although they had to do it without uh, Craig Goodwin, of course. Uh, as I said uh, yesterday on air, no Craig, but still a good win for Adelaide United. Exactly. Um, today, the Western Sydney
1: Wanderers take on Wellington. Phoenix, the Wanderers at home. Perth Glory at home against Newcastle is a, the later game today. Mossy, can we go to England? And before we talk about some of the EPL results, I mentioned earlier news has come through overnight The great Sir Bobby Charlton has passed away. Of course, probably England's finest ever footballer passing away at the age of 86. And what a legend of the sport he's been and what what a wonderful advertisement he is for English football.
13: Yeah, it's a very sad day, but um, you know, it's it's one of those where you know it's, you, we're better served celebrating the life and the career mm. of Sir Bobby than than mourning his passing. As sad as it is, but uh, look, 106 games for England, 49 goals, three uh, league titles, an FA Cup, a European Cup, a, a World Cup in 1966. He survived the 1958 uh, Munich air disaster, um, where eight players, eight teammates, passed away in that uh, that tragedy. And I think the thing about Sir Bobby on the field was he wasn't just a goal scorer, he was a scorer of great goals. He was a midfielder, he wasn't a striker. Um, So to have that sort of a record like for England, almost a a goal every two games, um, is incredible and he was one of the purest strikers of the ball I've ever seen. Um, Just incredible. But off the field, I had the pleasure of meeting him, I was quite young uh, when he came over here to Australia. And for the aura of the man, and as nervous as I was as a young kid, he put me at ease straight away, and I think that's a, a common trait that uh, anyone who meets him will, will pass on as well. Just a legend of the game on and off the field, and he'll be sadly missed.
2: Uh, well said, Mossy.
13: <laughs> Arsenal back from the brink against Chelsea, yeah. Mossy. Yes, uh, this um, this was an interesting one, Bulldog. Uh, you know, Arsenal showed championship traits uh, because they were too...
1: I might have lost Mossy.
13: I reckon he
2: three-putted and didn't want to tell us. He <laughs> might and, uh, have. To that's go. exactly... Sorry? We lost you We lost you you there. I here, said Mossy. you might have three-putted and didn't, didn't want to tell us.
13: Oh, sorry. No, no, no. no. no I've given golf away just to uh, to talk to you guys. But, um, yeah, they um, they were 2-0 down after 48 minutes. And uh, Declan Rice and Trossard came back to score in the 77th and 84th. So, although um Mikel Arteta won't be happy that they were behind by two. He'd be delighted with the character they showed to uh, to come back from the brink at Stamford Bridge. Both Manchester teams had wins overnight. Manchester
1: City 2, Brighton 1 and Manchester United 2, Sheffield 1.
13: Yeah, that's right. And uh, you, you can't help but think Manchester United were probably spurred a little bit by the passing of Sir Bobby. Um, they wouldn't have wanted to, to lose um on the, the same weekend that he passed away. So uh, you know, a, a good result, although it's expected. Manchester United should go to Sheffield United and win with all due respect to Sheffield United fans. Um but um yeah Manchester City just keep doing what they do. Um you know they um, they didn't have it all their own way. Um they um they were two nil after nineteen minutes so a really strong start but um Fatty Scored for Brighton in the seventy-third minute, and then uh, Manchester City had a late, late red card. But uh, they march on. And Mossy, Liverpool won the Merseyside derby. They did, and again we didn't have it our own all our own way, Bulldog. Um, we had uh, Everton were down to a, down to ten men after thirty-seven minutes, so we had a long time to play against ten men, and uh, it was that man Mo Sulla who scored a, a double from the penalty spot and then one in injury time as well to get us the three points. But, uh, yeah, good to see the uh, the Reds owning Merseyside. Exactly. Hey, Mossy, what
1: do we take away from the Socceroos' two games against England and, of course, that New Zealand win?
13: Yeah, positives, Ray. Yeah. Uh, look, uh, Arnie experimented uh, through the two games, and I think the... The performance against England was uh, was fantastic. We should have won that game. Could have won we that, took our yeah. chances. Uh, I really think we were a good chance of winning that. We didn't. England took their chance and, and we lost. But then against New Zealand, we really should have scored six goals. So the, the key is we're creating chances. Um, of course, we've got to put those those chances away. And when we start the World Cup qualifiers next month, we're going to have to take those chances. But, um, yeah, some real positives. And he keeps building depth in the squad. So uh, it's, uh, it's all positive.
1: Exactly. Hey, Moss, we've got plenty to look forward to this afternoon in the A-League and and some more EPL games overnight. Where are we going with Mossy's multi this weekend?
13: A little bit of a cross-competition from Mm -hmm. Australia to England, Ray. You won't be surprised by that, but I'm going to tip the two home sides uh, this afternoon. Western Sydney Wanderers to beat Wellington Phoenix, Perth Glory to beat Newcastle Jets into Ange Postercoglu's Spurs um, to beat Fulham at home on Tuesday morning, so a three-legger. So Wanderers into Perth glory,
1: into Tottenham. They take on Fulham on Tuesday morning and of course if Tottenham can win, they'll go back to the top of the table. At the moment Manchester City have reclaimed the top spot um, just ahead of uh, Arsenal um, and Spurs have that game in hand against Fulham. Hey Mossy, hope you're hitting them
2: well. Best of luck for the, the, the final nine holes, mate.
13: Thanks, boys, and best of luck to you, Bulldogs. Sort the quiz out, will you? Is Trunk Evans down there with you, mate, my old mate? No, no, I believe he retired last weekend. He got a hole in one. That was it. uh, He's hung the clubs up, mate. I
2: think (laughs) I'd do the same if I ever got a hole in one. Have you ever had one, Mossy? (laughs) Never. Never never have I. In my head, I have.
13: Yeah. (laughs) In my head. Just never (laughs) physically.
1: One of the great bucket list items in life, but probably never happened. Never going to happen. I've been swinging a club for three years now.
2: I've seen your swing. It's right? probably a good thing. When did you see my swing? It's probably never, a good thing. We've never played. You We're should do another thing. sport.
1: You think so? Yeah. Well, I, I can't play. Hey, Mossy, we'll let you go. Sorry, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much, Mossy. I'm copping it really from would. Dino here. Thanks, Mossy. Uh, so, Dino, on the quiz, are we happy now to settle it's 1918? Okay, 1918
2: with one week to go.
1: Okay, so have we settled what happens if I can level it up next week?
2: Well, if it's a draw, it's a draw. what happens then? Well, we can either go into a tiebreaker for the whole season. How do we do that? We'll just do a normal tiebreaker.
1: Ask producer Steve how to do it.
2: Yeah, we'll just go to our guests. They can decide who Who wins wins the the entire season. Okay. Or we can shake hands and walk off and say, you know what? Good job, Bob. It's a tie. Well,
1: if it's a tie, why don't we just go and have lunch and just go halves?
2: Yeah, I wanted your money, don't we? Hey? I wanted your money.
1: Oh, Okay. (laughs) <laughs> oh, no, me, I'll be paying anyway. It would
2: have tasted so much sweeter.
1: We can still win it. Still win it next week. Of course, you are off to America for two consecutive Sundays. Correct. And you expect us to call you halfway through a a footy game, you <laughs> get an NFL game you're watching, when you've had about six beers, and they're in giant mugs. You've got no chance.
2: Uh, no chance at all. Hey? I think we're going to Chicago for one. It's you going what, to be what's your first very game? cold up there. Um... I don't know, Ray. I haven't looked at the itinerary. Yeah. We're going idea to was this. Baltimore, and we're going to Minneapolis. Okay. So if you've been to any of these grounds, please text in or call in. Baltimore, Minneapolis, or Chicago, and we're going mm. to New York. But I have been to MetLife Stadium before over well, there Chicago's in New Jersey,
1: way up north. So be, it's on be Lake on freezing,
2: Ontario, one of the one of, those one of the lakes. Great Lakes, Lake Michigan. There you go. Thank right. you. <laughs> one of the Producer Great Lakes. Producer Nick, um, it'll be freezing up there. I reckon, be very you
1: know. cold. You got. The winter woollies yeah
2: don't have to be sort of winter gear just, we live in Australia we don't have those warms do go, we well
1: what's that shop Kathmandu go there and buy a few. Buy, buy a sort of big jacket what you'll need it
2: from Kathmandu listening
1: you say with a wink just you know, a little 10% off for the
0: dog <laughs> fair enough talking all the overnight action
4: what a performance what a moment this is the
0: big sports breakfast weekend
1: And welcome back to the show with Dino and Ray. Our talk topic today, of course, is great shellackings in sport. And that was on the back of New Zealand beating Samoa um, 50 points to nil. But more importantly, the Adelaide Strikers, 3 for 177 in their WBBL match, rolled the Melbourne Stars for 29, Dino. And you can recall someone at high school ten getting bowled out for one. One. Is that that your team?
2: No. Cambora. Mm Mm-hmm. There was school on the uh, Frenchist Forest side of Sydney. Got bowled out for one. Now, here's something, Ray. Mm. Hey, guys, Sean from Beacon Hill here. Maybe a way around the anthem could be singing Sweet Caroline before matches, which seems to unite the masses. There we go. Uh, Maybe some outside thinking might be the answer here, right?
1: Shane from Butterham. The quiz integrity (laughs) is so tainted... I don't believe there should be a winner without at least a raw commission. I agree. Also, Bulldog, trust me, it'll be so cold in Chicago that even you will have to finally put your hands in your pockets.
4: <laughs> be worried well, about I, Chicago? I,
2: yeah, it'll be freezing. I saw a there. weather forecast. I went forward had a look at when we we're going to be there, and it was like at night, two degrees, but it mm. says minus four. So I'm assuming that wind chill sure comes off the. Uh, Lake oh. Michigan, yeah. So she's going to be a bit chilly.
1: So we're, we're talking early November. So yeah. Yeah, New York will be cold too. Mid autumn, getting close to. We went to New anyway. York in towards middle late November a few years back, and I just put my my hoodie on and tanya stand. Need more than that? No, I don't. See, it's really cold <laughs> I know outside, more. and. You know the problem was, Dino, wasn't so much the it, it was the wind chill factor. Yes, coming off that. What, what's the the water weather in New York? Oh, freezing where the Statue of Liberty is. I got, got so the Hudson bad. Hudson River and the uh, yeah, East River. I said, Tan, I can't, I can't cope. Got to go back and get more clothes. I had to go back to the hotel, and we're walking back trying to find a taxi. Couldn't find anything, and this lady heard us talking, and she walked up to us, and she said. Uh, you guys from Australia? We looked at her and we said, "Yeah, you from Australia?" Lived in an apartment block right in right in front of us, overlooking the Hudson River and Statue. of Liberty. just amazing. But anyway, she told us um, she's an Australian living there for about six years. What a place to live! But I was duly chastised for buying, being an idiot, not, not we're, we're wearing the appropriate clothing. Hence, you must go and get yourself a decent do you know jacket. More? Oh, I do now. Hence, you must go and get a <laughs> decent jacket and even some um, uh, some. Thermal underwear, Dina, you might need it.
2: Gloves. Scotty from Forestville is a friend of mine. The day doesn't get any better when England lose in cricket and then the rugby. Why is it, I've asked before, Hmm. that we Australians (laughs) love to dig it to England. Yet we generally like them as people. Yeah, we do, yeah. I love the Poms. They're great people.
1: They're good people. Just repeating for those who haven't caught up with the news, South Africa came from 15-6 down in the last 10 minutes to beat England 16-15 in the semi final of the Rugby World Cup. They will now play New Zealand in the final next weekend. And earlier in the ODI World Cup, um, South Africa scored 7 for 399 off their 50 overs and then bowled... (laughs) England out for a hundred and seventy off just twenty two overs. England are now one and three. Dino, they are in trouble. Australia gone two for two with their um, successive wins. They'll play Netherlands on Wednesday night. They're back up into the top four. Of course, the top four go through obviously the semi-finals. So, an important. The run rate's gone up significantly for the Aussies. But England in a real spot of bother. Dino,
2: they certainly are. I think the Aussies. Gee, I'd like to. Actually, I might ask you, Ray. You're mm-hmm. very good at these odds. What are the odds for Australia mm. to claim the Cricket World Cup. I just figure yep. there's a bit of deja vu about this, Ray. We're just coming good at the mm. right time. We've got a good side. We're well balanced. i wait for it to come up. We've got a couple of callers there.
1: Mark's been waiting patiently while I call us up. Mark, good morning.
7: Good day, boys. How are you going? Good,
1: Terrific. Mark. Mark, what have you got for us, mate?
7: Mate, well... There's two, I, I just sort of that
5: at a professional level, mm. when, when Australia went to South Africa and bought, got bowled out from what was it, 27 in a test? Was
1: oh, yeah. it boys. 47 or something? Or, or 47,
5: some ridiculous yeah, score. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. yeah.
5: Many, many years ago, I, I, I was when I was a
9: young bloke playing rugby league, we played a team. We led 88 we 0. We We deliberately give them a shot, give them a, give them a penalty so they could score a try, Yeah, and they kicked the goal. <laughs> they kicked the goal to get beat eighty eight two when they were cheering.
6: Oh,
1: they, oh, they God don't. love them. There you go. Well, it, it, we heard it from a guy who played in a what was the basketball game then a Two hundred odd two hundred to nil or something.
2: Mark, I've just googled that it was two thousand and eleven. Australia got bowled Clarkie's out for forty seven in yeah. Cape Town. There was also we got bowled out. I forgot about this one probably because I didn't want to know about it. Uh, we got bowled out for sixty against. England at Trent Bridge in two thousand and fifteen.
1: Yeah, we had a bad tour I can't of that. Recall that one. We lost three one in that series, so that was a bad tour. um forty seven.
2: Yeah, forty-seven. Not that long ago either, right? That was Clarke's team. Disappointed. Yes, it was. He, he, here
1: we go. The um in for the World Cup to win the go, whole Ray. thing, India at two dollars ten. Australia into five fifty favourites. South Africa is six dollars, New Zealand are six fifty. Now the the defending title holders, England, they're out to $21. So we are in a spot of bother. Now, Australia do play their next game against the Netherlands on Wednesday. We should win that. Then we've got Sri Lanka got a couple of tough games coming up we know we have to play New Zealand still and England as well at the back end of of the, um, what do they call these the round robin games, but certainly looking much better than it was last Sunday morning,
2: dinner when we were in trouble I said from the start, Ray, it's a very powerful side we've got, I was surprised we were buckling under the early pressure over there and there's a few questions around Pat Cummins as uh, captaincy and the, and the the fragility of the top order, but uh, you just got the feeling if the sides stuck together and rode out the storm that we would come good. And it's only two in a row. We haven't won the thing yet, but things are certainly on the up.
1: Exactly. One of our listeners has texted what happened to today's life lessons. Uh, Jared Daffy wasn't on the run show. I'm not quite sure he's away this weekend, Jared, for some reason. And so, hence, um, the great man is not there. He might
2: double up next week. He may well. I just want to ask you too, mm. Ray, interesting to see what Mal Meninga does this week in that uh, will he rest a couple of players now that it is a dead rubber, this game in Melbourne, for the mm. final the week after?
1: Would you rest a couple? Just well, keep,
2: yeah. Michael Ennis was on the Fox commentary yesterday and he said, I wouldn't mind resting Payne Haas, which is not a yeah, bad idea. He's yeah. had a big year, Payne. Origin uh, right through to a grand final. So if one player is to be rested... It wouldn't surprise me if big pain is given yeah, the night off.
1: Good point. No, no, no Steve. I beg, beg your pardon. Steve says, didn't the West Indies beat Australia in two days at the Wacker? Certainly did. Ambrose took seven for one, 100%. Steve, that was um, a disaster. Remember, we just lost that test match in Adelaide when we could have won the series? And Alan Border, when he threw the, threw the ball, ball down, because he knew going to the Wacker we wouldn't be able to beat Australia. Um, uh, the West Indies, there. This is from Cranky Old Bear Ray. I felt sorry for Manus being demoted. Maxwell at three with 14 overs to bowl was a huge risk. Terrible shot, Glenn Maxwell, first, but you see it? First yeah, ball. I did. Moved the left leg towards square leg almost and just swung like windy old gate. The ball went straight up in the air, got caught at mid off. Manus would have had plenty of time to build an in innings and farm the strike for the big boppers. Then to put him in with six overs to go only made things worse. He wasted two wickets, bad call from cranky old bear. Yeah, Manus' spot in that team is difficult, isn't it? Like, where do you bat him, you know? And if Australia on a roll like they were the other night, what do you do? Um, I think he's the man who might go with Travis Head coming back in. Uh, this is from Brian. What about Danny Green's first round knockout of Roy Jones Jr.? Unbelievable. That was a shellacking Dino.
2: Yeah, I remember, what's that fight at a <clears> pub, Ray? I think Roy Jones, to be fair... Was at the back end of his career, but still a big name at the time. And Danny Green clobbered him up with a right hook from memory and Ooh. down went Roy, and he he just didn't get up. Mm, we haven't talked about Timmy Zoo either. We previewed it last yeah, week, didn't we? he but was good. He me? was very impressive.
1: Went 12 rounds. Mendoza's tough, but do you watch much of that fight, Dino? I didn't, mate. No, I totally was working. Totally outclassed him. But
2: I saw the highlights, obviously.
1: Jeez, good. Um, and he lived up to what he said. His defense was... Well, Mendoza's a big, a powerful puncher. Got a few through, but Timmy Zhu just keeps taking the fight up to his opponents. He just keeps walking straight up to them, and they don't get a chance. They they get smothered by his constant pressure, and he is a fighter. This is from Straub. Stop whinging about the cold, Dino. Have a thought for my nephew, Daniel, where the outside temperature was minus 28 degrees the other day, where he has been all winter at Davis Base, Antarctica. Must be working. Wow. Minus 28, so he's
2: he survived winter. Having said that, Straub, if he goes down there, he knows it's going to be cold. Minus 28, that's uh, horrendous. Oh, I,
1: I can't even imagine that. I've been, I've been, the worst I've ever had, I think, was minus 10 or minus 11 Um, up at Mount Kosciuszko one year. Did I tell you what happened that year, Dino? We had the buy from the last round before the finals. The boys said, "We'll duck off." The coach said, "Guys, don't do anything stupid. Just get ready for the finals." So we also will duck off the end of the snow because we used to love the snow back then. And took the bus down overnight, drank the whole way, got to um, got to your, your, your lodge at um, at Parish Valley, wherever it was. Get your skis straight up the ski lift, start skiing down. Very first um, run down the hill. Falling over, oh, my knee's a bit sore. Kept going until lunchtime, stopped, found the pub, ordered the steak and the beer. Sitting down there, all of a sudden, the knee locked up.
2: Oh, God. Yeah. Didn't
1: do, what's the, not, what's the ace, what's the other one? Did MCL. Yeah, did that. So, missed the finals. There was everything there. <laughs> Had to spend the weekend watching the boys I'm sure ski. The coach was thrilled, Ray. Right? Oh, you should have After seen to be Tuesday night. told not was to not silly. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't good fun. we better take a quick break. Listen to Dino and Ray on the big sports breakfast weekend.
0: Talking all the overnight action.
8: Out of the shadows into the spotlight. You've made my dream.
0: Fantastic strike. The big sports breakfast weekend.
1: And welcome back to the show with Dino and Ray. What is it, Dino? Sorry, Ray.
0: <laughs> the Texas came through. I'm
2: not sure I can read it out from the Dubbo Eel. <laughs> right.
1: Oh yeah, no, you may be a bit annoyed yeah. <laughs> referring to the cold again. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> Just go to that store and buy yourself a jacket. Our next guest, um, Stewie Clark, has been good enough to join us. The former Australian Test fast bowler, Stew. Good morning. The Last time we were talking, we were worried about the Aussies after losing their first two games, to be fair, against probably two of the form teams of the competition so far in India and South Africa. But they've got things back on track in the ODI World Cup. A big win over Sri Lanka, a dominant win against Pakistan on Friday night. They go to Game 5 against the Netherlands on Wednesday night and they're back in the top four. Stu, good morning.
5: Morning, Ray. Morning, boys. Modena, um, sorry. Um, oh, look, they, they absolutely they did. They, they got a little bit lucky. You wonder whether that catch was taken and things and Warner, changed. But yeah. you know yeah, but, but you know what? you got to give credit to Warner and Mitchell Marsh. That was an unbelievable partnership. Hit the ball to all parts of the ground. Just played beautifully. It looked like they were going to get 450 at one stage. They were going that well. Um, but, you know, Pakistan fought back. And then they did well to restrict them to uh, 300-odds. So, you got to give them credit. They seem to have turned their form around. There's a couple of big matches coming up, V England, V New Zealand. Mm-hmm. But you know what? You've got to say, when you look at them, um, they look like they're just playing with a little bit more confidence.
2: I was going to ask you, Stewie, it's only early and we've got a long way to go in the tournament, but certainly on face value, we're starting to look like a side that can win it.
5: We're starting to look a lot better. Absolutely, uh, there's no question about that. We're playing, as I said, with a little bit more confidence. We looked a little bit down. We looked a little bit tired. But guys getting into form with the bat, you know Warner and Marsh in particular. Zampa picking up a few wickets. He was, you know, there was much talked about. You know, he was out of form, back injury, hadn't picked up a few wickets. So he's picked up four for and four for.
14: Mm. Um,
5: things are just starting to turn. I still think we're we're a spinner short. We every yeah. team's got two or three spinners that they can use. We don't seem to have that, or we certainly don't have that. So um, we've got challenges, but that's okay. It's we we can work through that hopefully. And on the big stage, our batters and our you know our part-time spinners stand
1: up. Yeah, no, we'd need Adam Zampa to stay fit, don't we? He's our only spinner in the squad. Hey, Stu, I I can't get my head around this. Um, I saw Pat Cummings be interviewed after um, the win against. Um, uh, Pakistan the other night, and he said the Australian team have t- adopted a new mantra to quote care less. I-, I don't quite know what that means. You're playing for your country. You're playing for Australia. You're playing in a World Cup. You've got to care, haven't you?
5: No, I think I think that it cares less to what other people think. Mm. I think that's what he's that's what yes. he's getting at there. So um, I think they care about the World Cup. That, that's certainly not in question. But um, you know, the Australian cricket team that, you know, they're, they're too aggressive, they're not aggressive enough, you see it, you read the paper headlines, you know, write some of them sometimes. <laughs> you know, Don't do the
2: headlines, you know. Stuart, you know how it works. <laughs>
5: um, but that, that's the sort of mantra that, you know, the Australian cricket team, they they, they they want, everyone wants them to win, but play with being really good blokes. Yeah. And sometimes professional sport doesn't actually allow for that. You've got to be a little bit aggressive and, you know, take the game take the game on. I think that's what Pat's alluding to. And, you know, even if you watch the, uh, the game against I think it was Sri Lanka. Mitchell Stark, third or fourth ball of the day, you know, threatening to man-cad someone. Yeah. Just playing with a bit of more of an aggressive edge to them that um, hopefully holds them in good set.
2: Hey, uh, Stewie, I saw Nathan Lyme, I think he was back yesterday, playing a bit of... Mm, Great cricket. Great yeah. cricket, was it? That's a good sign, isn't it? Because he still wants to play until he's 40. Is this attainable?
5: Well, let's hope so, for the Australian's sake. He's, mm. he's the best spinner, the best off-spinner in the world at the moment. He's got you know, 450 test wickets. Um the way the game is, too, now, you don't play all forms, right? So, Tonate the line predominantly plays test matches and maybe the odd one-day or a T20 game for New South Wales or, or the Renegades now. So, oh, mate, if he plays on the... If he's, he keeps himself pretty fit... I've actually seen him around New South Wales training a little bit, and he looks like he's in good nick. He's training hard. Um, you know, at his age, when you have a calf injury of the one he had, you've you got to be a little bit cautious with it, and the, the physios and the medical staff have certainly done that. But he looks bigger and better than ever, so... Bring on the test summer and Nathan Lyon. He'll, I mean, he could get what, 600, 700 yeah. test wickets if he keeps going on 40. He could arguably, and look, it's a big ask, but he could actually break Warnie's record of Australia's most test That's wickets 40, if he yeah. kept playing for that long.
1: Yeah, no, it'd be great to see. Speaking of players coming back from injury, it looks like Travis Head could be back as early as the Netherlands game on Wednesday night, Stu. And I think the Australian hierarchy have basically said he'll go back and and open the batting alongside Warner, so we will have the two lefties there. I presume Mitch Marsh probably drops to three or four, and Marnus Lane, Matt Marnus Labashain is the player to miss out. Is that how you read it, Stu? Yeah,
5: uh, interesting you came out at the top of the order, especially after the partnership of yeah. Marsh Warner. But you know that, that's whether he's one, two, three, he'll be in that in that spot there. Um, it's a big ask. He hasn't played for four weeks. Well, where they would you
1: Where keep. would you bat him, Stu? Oh.
5: I'd probably actually bat him three. I'd okay. just sort of turn around and say, look, that partnership was so good. We've got to stay with it. And I like the left and right hand combination. Mm. I think that that's always got a nice flavour to it when you're, uh, when, you're, when you're the batting team because bowlers have to adjust. They get it slightly wrong. They go to the boundary, especially in India on flat wickets. So I, I like that combination. But, you know, that said, if he opens the batting with water, that's not a bad thing either. My, my bigger concern is he hasn't played a lot of cricket. Yeah. So we've got to, we've got to get him back out there. He's got to start playing. And then he's got to start scoring some runs because once you've had four weeks off, you, know, you can have as many nets as you want, but that batting in the middle, that's why they need him against the Netherlands to get him some time in the middle. Stewie, if I
2: flip over to Test cricket, we're obviously a very dominant nation, as we generally always are, but you go through our lineup, you've got uh, Steve Smith, uh, David Warner, Josh Hazelwood, uh, Mitchell Stark. It's a very experienced side, but it's also a side that is getting older. Do we try to limit the damage by having them all walk out at the same time, or where do you see Australia's future, given we do have, to be fair, uh, an ageing side?
5: I think that's a really relevant question, because we can't have them, we can't have what happened to the West Indies, right? and not that I think that would happen, I think the Australian cricket selectors and whatnot will actually manage that whole situation, but We've got to be really, really careful because you could have five or six of them go at the same time, especially the quicks. So Stark, Hazelwood and Mm -hmm. Cummins, Cummins is probably a couple of years younger, but he's played a lot of cricket as well. So arguably they could go at the same time. Now, the way cricket, you know, they're a lot fitter and faster and the, the sports science behind it keeps them on the park a lot longer now. But you lose that experience is the thing I think you're probably talking about. I think everyone is probably within the cricket circles is thinking about that as well. Um, I, see, for me, you, you've got to give guys. You've got to, you're going to have to start giving guys a game, even if it's only one day cricket to start with. But give them some international experience. Someone like Lance Morris, who's been talked about quite a bit. How mm-hmm. do you get him into the setup? Do you get him in now whilst you've got a few older blokes around him? What do you do? I, I'm I'm a bit. I'm not sure the selectors are thinking about that, but it's, you know, And that said, it's not the easiest thing in the world to do either because every test match is another game these guys want to play.
1: It's so important, isn't it? Uh, just back to the World Cup, and I think Dino mentioned uh, that two form teams obviously at the moment are uh, India and New Zealand, South Africa are playing great cricket. Um, outside of Australia, um, who's impressed you most and how do you see this tournament unfolding, Stu?
5: Uh it's pretty hard to go past India. They've been mm. absolutely dominant in every game they've played and they've looked a million dollars. know, Rohit Sharma at the top of the order, Virat Kohli getting runs, Jasper Bumrah. Um New Zealand are the other ones. They've, they've been really, really good, New Zealand. Mm. For such a small nation, that you know, they're all, we're always talking about them batting well above their average and they're certainly doing that again. They've got I mean, a dynamic top order. They field well. Um, they've got guys that can take wickets. So... Outside of Australia, those are the two teams to beat. England mm. have been okay, um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know if they're as dominant as they were in the England World Cup a couple of years ago.
1: Yeah, they're one and three, and their run rate's horrendous now. England, so they're, yeah. they're in a spot of bother. Mm.
5: Yeah, they've got they've got some dramas. They need to win, and they need to win well for the mm. next couple of games to have any chance. But but certainly that's uh, that New Zealand India. They're, they're the teams for me. I thought Pakistan. Are, you know, I think they'll be there or thereabouts at the end as well. I know Australia beat them in the recent match, but.
2: Yeah, I think they'll be there or thereabouts. Hey, Stu, I've got a text come in, uh, another Stu from Corella saying, can you ask Stewie Clark about a young opener called Sam Constas who almost carried his bat for Sutherland yesterday? Is this a young star on the rise, Stewie?
5: Absolutely. Sam's uh, he's, he's seven, he's 18, so he uh, got all the skills, played New South Wales second 11 last week. Um, I think he scored 75, not out in the second innings. He's doing his HSC at the moment, so he's got a few things going on in his life, but absolutely he's a star of the future. Um, you'll see his name in lights in the not-too-distant future, but um, yeah, Sam Constance, probably uh, put, him on the, uh, put him on the calendar as a player to watch in a few years' time as being certainly a New South Wales player and then hopefully, for his sake, playing for Australia.
1: What's happening to New South Wales cricket? I think I heard you during the week on the BSB, Stu. <laughs> we haven't won a game for 14 months in Sheffield Shield cricket.
5: Uh, we uh, yeah. been, haven't been great, have we? So we won, we won the one day uh, yeah, on, the uh, on Friday. Uh, you know, mm. I'm putting all my eggs into the one day basket at the moment. But uh, you know what? We've got such a talented group of players. However, under pressure, they haven't delivered. And you know, mm. there's, there's no other way to really say it than that. It's not like they're not trying, it's not like they're not working hard, they're doing all of that stuff and they're doing it in spade loads, but they haven't got the results. So they have to start delivering under pressure and once they start doing that, I think it'll come with you know, just winning. Winning breeds winning, but at the moment we're not good enough and uh, it's been shown.
2: Stuart, we haven't dragged you on here to embroil you in any sort of um, anthem debate, but I really do want to ask you, I'm not going to ask you whether you think these sportsmen should or shouldn't sing the anthem, but can I ask you whether you sang the anthem?
5: Uh, I did, and i, I, I got to be honest, I didn't really remember, but I was doing the back page the other night, and they uh, they said, oh, I used to sing the national anthem, and I went, oh, great, and then I saw some footage, and yeah, I did, loudly and proudly. I burst oh, it out. I'm not a... Uh, I've got to say, the voice isn't... Um, Dame Joan Sutherland, like, but uh, <laughs> I, you know, I have a lash at it. It was, I look, to me, I was proud to sing it because it was something that you know I'd, I'd grown up with. I was lucky enough to be playing for Australia, so you know why not take everything? Now, I, in that in that same sense, like, guys don't want to don't want to sing it. That, that's a matter for them. I'm, mm. I'm not really fussed with that. My my mantra is: when you put the shirt on, are you 100 percent committed? And I know there's been a little bit of talk about Tampa and. Not singing it, and you know, I read something on Twitter where you read all the good stuff, um, you know, burn him <laughs> at the stake. But look, he came out in Boldwell. Yeah, he, he delivered did. on the stage when he needed to, so you know, whether he sings it or not, I'm not going to get into that debate, but I certainly
1: did. Uh, Stu, is it ever discussed, if, Was it or was it ever discussed in the change room, like you got to wear your baggy green, you got to sing the national anthem, or anything like that?
5: Not in my time. I mean, you yeah. remember, it was a little bit, the, the times were a little bit different back
6: mm.
5: then. It wasn't as much, I'll call it. I don't want to call it activism because it's not. But um, there wasn't as much made of it things like that. So I, I'm pretty sure some people didn't sing that. Some people, some people might not know the words. There mm. you go. That's probably the answer yeah. to one of those questions. That, but you know, each of their own. I, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to crucify them.
1: No, exactly. Hey, Stu, we've got our ODI World Cup campaign back on track. So hopefully, you can continue to talk some good news about Australian cricket going forward. Thanks for joining us on a Sunday. Let's hope the Aussies can keep winning, Stu.
5: Good
10: on you, boys. Talk soon, mate. Eh? Thanks,
1: there, mate. There's Stu Clark. Um, love watching him bowl. Love watching him take wickets against the Poms. It was great fun, wasn't it? He? He'd swing the ball when he was, he was so tall, that bounce off the wicket. i um, will just Poms try to get, to get his go.
2: record here, right? Stu Clark had an unbelievable test record, and I'll just dig it up now. On great the average. Great, underrated a, cricketer. He got 24 matches, 94 wickets. At an average of 23.9. Dennis Lilly was 23. Yeah, great. And I'm not comparing the two bowlers, that's not fair to Stewie. But I'm just saying an average of 23.9 is outstanding. Couple, a couple of SMSs.
1: Shane from Butterham says, Hi, guys. Um, seeing that Bulldog is going to across from the USA, I'm off the Cox Plate for an annual Punters Club trip next week and I'll call in on Sunday to give you a wrap of the day. Hopefully, the background noise from Crown doesn't interfere too much. You do that, Shane. This one's from Mad Mick. Dino, here's a little tip for you. Here we go. Hi, Bulldog and Ray. Enjoying the show as, u- as usual. I would like to suggest to Doggy that he and his mates visit the Drake Hotel. In Chicago. Right. This hotel in a sandstock traditional hotel with lots of history, including the presence of Al Capone and other gangsters. The spiral entrance staircase is spectacular. I spent lots of times in Chicago, mostly on business. I love the blues music. Good luck with your pub crawls and enjoy the NFL. Regards, Mad Mick. There you go. The Thank Drake. you, Mad Mick. Where are you staying, down? by the way? Uh, I don't know that either. You haven't organised any of this? <laughs> no, I've done nothing. You've just, <laughs> yeah. You organised your plane ticket. I trip. haven't
2: lifted a finger. <laughs> Have you
1: paid for anything yet? I've paid.
2: That's all I've done. It's all
1: I've <laughs> done. You all know, I've done. You Mind you, that
2: uh, spiral staircase entrance would mean more than likely that that would also be the exit, Right. And after a few of those oh. big mamas, mm. i. e. bees, I'm not sure a spiral staircase is the way for me out of the joint. We we, we Could stayed, be a problem.
1: We stayed at Louisville in Kentucky once at this old beautiful old hotel. sounds similar to that one in Chicago, had three old lifts. We didn't we weren't told until the last day that the lift on the left hand side was where many, many years ago a young woman fell to her death, sadly, and her ghost was in the lift. We took Ooh. up most of the time off to our floor. We didn't see any ghosts. Those ghost things yet. freaked me out, you know. Oh, when I got told, no way we didn't go near that lift ever again. We better take a quick break. Tanya's next for the sports update.
10: On the Big Sports Breakfast weekend, a sports update with Tanya Thomas. Islam Makachev has beaten Aussie Alexander Volkanovski in the UFC fight in Abu Dhabi this morning. Volkanovski looked like he was handling Makachev's shots until a left high kick to the head sent him to the floor, the Russian winning in a first round knockout. Makachev also won the previous fight or their previous fight in Perth in February. The Rugby World Cup is down to two after semi-finals this weekend. New Zealand beat Argentina 44-6 yesterday morning. Winger Will Jordan scored three of the All Blacks' seven unanswered tries. And this morning, a closer contest. South Africa 16 beat England 15. England led for the whole match until the Springboks received a scrum penalty and kicked the goal in the 77th minute. Both semi-final losers will play off for third place. That will be Argentina and England that match next. Saturday morning and the final New Zealand versus South Africa Sunday morning both games are in Paris. Minji Lee has a share of the lead heading into the final round later this morning of the BMW Golf Championships in South Korea at 12 under with Ashley Buhai the pair lead by one shot fellow Aussie Hannah Green is four off the lead she's in a tie for ninth. At the Rugby League Pacific Championships late yesterday at Eden Park in Auckland, New Zealand thrashed Samoa 50 points to nil with outstars Jerome Luai, Joseph Soali'i and Brian To'o. The Samoans were outclassed by the Kiwis, who play Australia next Saturday at Amy Park, essentially a dead rubber, as both have qualified for the final on November 4 in Hamilton. In the women's match, New Zealand beat Tonga 28-10. Today, Fiji play the Cook Islands at Port Moresby at 4 o'clock and in the women's PNG play Moana at 1.45. Kathy O'Hara's Super Spring continued when she partnered the John Sargent-trained Palmetto to win the $1 million Five Diamonds Prelude at Royal Randwick yesterday. Earlier this spring, she won the Group 1 Epsom Handicap on Redina. At Caulfield, the Anthony and Sam Friedman trained without a fight, won a thrilling Caulfield Cup, edging out the favourite Westwind Blows and the top-weight Gold Trip, who was third. However, without a fight's jockey Mark Zara received a suspension after the race and a $50,000 fine for Excessive whip use. He'll be out until Derby Day on November 4. Not the start they would have wanted after taking out the Australia Cup a couple of weeks ago. Sydney FC lost its first round match in the men's A-League last night going down to Melbourne victory 2-0 at Allianz Stadium. Last season's minor premiers Melbourne City were beaten by Western United 2-1. MacArthur and Brisbane won all. In the women's game Brisbane won beat Sydney FC nil. After 120 Premier Class starts over nearly seven years, Johan Zako has finally taken the checkered flag in a MotoGP race, winning the Australian Grand Prix yesterday at Phillip Island. Francisco Bagnaya was second, and the points he won there extended his lead to 27 points on the championships table. Aussie Jack Miller finished seventh. The main race was moved to Saturday from the usual Sunday as forecast high winds raised concerns for drivers. For safety. Today, however, Moto2 and the sprint race is on. It's 16 degrees, very windy and showers. In the WBBL, last year's champions, Adelaide defeated the Melbourne Stars by 148 runs last night. The strikers, 3 for 177 from their 20 overs, included a 135 run partnership between Katie Mack with 86 off 50 balls and Laura Wolvart, 47 off 36 balls. They then bowled out the Stars for 29 runs in 9.3 overs, the total the lowest in the competition's history. Their top score was 9. At the Men's World Cup in India, South Africa beat England by 229 runs and Sri Lanka beat the Netherlands by five wickets and ten balls remaining. Australia's next match to the Netherlands on Wednesday night. Three straight straight wins for South East Melbourne in the NBL. The Phoenix ninety six beat Brisbane seventy three last night. The Bullets are still without Aaron Baines due to suspension, and Adelaide beat Perth eighty nine to seventy eight today. The Kings host the Jack Jumpers at four o'clock. Charles Leclerc won poll in a tight qualifying session at the United States Formula One Grand Prix in Austin, Texas. Lando Norris second. Lewis Hamilton will start from third. Oscar Piastri will start from 10th. Dan Ricardo is back after missing the last five races because of a hand injury. He'll start from 15th in one of the Alpha Tories. EPL scores overnight, Liverpool two beaten, Everton 0, Bournemouth one, Wolves two, Brenton three nil over Burnley, Man City two, Brighton one, Newcastle four, Crystal Palace nil, not Forest and Luton a two all draw. Chelsea and Arsenal two all also, Sheffield United one, Manchester United two. We were saying last night that there isn't a great deal around. There's mm. <laughs> plenty I, there, I, I think that, uh, yeah, that's not necessarily the case. Mm. So I'm looking forward to 60 Minutes tonight, a story on the Matildas, mm. just looking at the um, the highlights and the impact that they have left on us as a nation. The A-League women's crowds are rising. Okay, And that is good. a direct offshot, uh, 100%, mm. from the success of the Matildas and the interest amongst Australian Girls, you know, is rising as, mm. as well. Our producer, Steve, uh, was telling me that um, they got the biggest crowd, a Sydney FC standalone game.
1: Yeah, it's funny because um, I was driving home last night. I shouldn't have been looking, but text came through from Buzz, just reminding Dino and put me on the conversation that he was watching the women's A-League after the Matildas. Did you see that? I, what, I saw what was, what was your reply? You acknowledged Buzz for sitting there watching the game? Exactly. Good on you. <laughs>
10: And speaking of 60 minutes, a, a couple of oh, – was it last week? The story on Kayleigh McEwan. Oh, wasn't that a
1: good story? It yeah. was
10: fabulous. Now, during the week, Kayleigh broke the 50-metre world record backstroke. So now she holds the 50, 100 and 200 world record backstroke titles. Quite extraordinary.
1: And she was – that story was amazing because she went into great detail about the passing of her father. I think 10, was it? Eight months prior to the Olympics, the Olympics in, in Tokyo. Mm. And she had – tattooed on her foot um, a line that her father would always say to her so she when she was getting ready for the backstroke races she always looks at her feet because you find on the
10: blocks perfect place to put it so it was
1: there to remind her every time that her father was swimming with it was a beautiful story and what a remarkable young woman she is you know she's so determined so
10: determined and mature you know you find that amongst you know all the swimmers or athletes in general but particularly you look at yeah, you know, she's just so mature for her age Remarkable. and so determined. Right yeah. on
1: track for Paris.
10: Yes, they are. Mm. So I'll let our um text message person wanting to know what Piers Morgan is going to say about the uh the the, the palms mm. losing the cricket and the the rugby. Because I, I tape it and watch it every day. You like Piers Morgan? I? I? I like oh, you, Piers yeah, Morgan. Yeah. I don't know why.
1: <laughs> you like his um
10: I don't like him as personally, no, but I like the fact that he says what he what he thinks. He, he and he has miss. been he has been critical of the England uh, One Day Cricket team okay. in the last week okay. or so. He actually said that um, they're supposed to be the white ball champions. Are they?
1: They're defending champs. Yeah. yeah well, there you go. The yeah. Controversial World Cup win it's against New Zealand. Zealand, Zealand. Yeah.
10: Yeah. So. Yeah. So I'll let you know what okay. Pearce has
1: to say. He's been teeing off a bit. Thank, thanks so much, Tim. Thanks, Tim. Um, he'll claim a moral victory, as Craig from Tamworth said. Dino, I
2: think. Piers Morgan's criticism of the Aussies uh, in England just went over the top, though. Right? I think in the end he was almost to the point of getting ridiculous. He just kept going on and on and on oh, it, the, about the Johnny Besto
10: run-out. It which, never stopped. When,
1: it did when it, we was, in it England, was legal. It just never stopped. It was front page every, for days, wasn't it? It was just ridiculous.
10: Yes, we were there at the time and I was quite taken back about, you know, how the vitriol, how the yeah. vitriol and how it was... You know the end of the world oh. about to happen. And, and honestly, ten, I don't know if you know, cheats. Yeah. They were good. actually. They were getting quite nasty about but, it. Honestly, ten, he did nothing wrong.
1: It was legally right. It was a hundred percent. And you're told always as a young kid, make sure you get back in your crease, end of the over, end end of each ball. So you you know the the ball's still live until the umpire calls over.
10: That's right. So like,
1: there was nothing wrong with that we wouldn't have been game to say so
10: though, and (laughs) the funny thing
1: was the previous day Bairstow tried exactly the same thing so Alex Carey got absolutely vilified didn't he and the Australians anyone who was Australian got hammered in England and the the press just went to town didn't they They his
2: form dropped since then do you think in the end Mm. he or we may look back on his career and think yeah, really tarnished his career? I
1: hope not. But he has been dropped from the ODI side. You now mm. Josh Inglis is now taking the gloves and batting in the top six. So Kerry won't get back in for a while, I don't think, in the ODI team at least. Mm. Um, and he's saying he's moved on from what happened at Lords. But you have to question because he's hardly scored runs since 10. He's hardly scored runs since England.
10: So you think that that's played a part well, in the back of not, his mind? He says it's not, but
1: Dino's point's well made. You mm. know, his form has dropped considerably and
2: um, yeah sometimes it's hard to get over those things yeah, you yeah. get absolutely pillaged and, and bagged and condemned and criticised yeah. universally it takes a toll and,
1: and he seemed like such a, such a nice young man Alex Carey and he, probably, and he got also was he the one who got criticised for quote not paying for having a haircut when it was incorrect I think David Gower um, no, said in England was, that, was it NASA? Yes, Nessa saying well, had a go. Yeah. Kerry saying and it was wrong. It was wrong. So he, he got vilified first for that, <laughs> and then he got vilified for um, the Bearstow incident, which was entirely within the rules of the game. But anyway, it was
10: probably part of England's wily scheme.
1: Well, I got back. They like, went two <laughs> all. <laughs> we were on those buses all the way through. Europe Dude, and I had get to the pick the scores up. Yeah, I know. But I was depressed a couple of times there when I ten.
10: <laughs> yes, I had to put you out of your depression there <laughs>
1: when England start fighting out... Thanks so much, Tim. It, it, it was tough, but that Australian team going from 2-0 up and almost losing the Ashes you know, that that's so un-Australian
2: particularly the first two tests we were so dominant they were on their backsides England to England's credit though right you know, they, they pulled themselves off the canvas yeah, they almost pulled off the unwinnable series and if it wasn't for rain up there it was it Leeds or Manchester yeah, we washed uh, out the, the last team. day, yeah. wasn't it? They, they so. could have
1: won the Ashes. Um, Shane from Boeburn was also trying. What are your thoughts on the third place game in the World Cup? I think it's a big waste of time and unfair to the teams that have just lost a chance to play in the final. Massive come down.
2: Yeah, who cares? No. I think it'd be more a TV deal, Ray. That'd be part of the broadcast arrangement yeah. that a, another game is played, which would add money into the coffers of World Rugby. But Shane's right in terms of interest factors. Mm. I, I couldn't give two. It's maybe the two countries playing it in may, but... It's, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's so like did. today's world, mate. We all have a prize. Yeah,
1: exactly. Doug's on the line. He's been waiting patiently for us. Dino, you know, Doug, good morning. Good morning. How are you? Sir? Terrific. Doug, how are you going, mate? Not bad, thanks. That's uh,
7: the way. What about Justin Ollum going to the West Tigers next
1: year? Yeah, Ollum here from the Storm. Oh, yeah. Justin Ollum?
2: Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't think it's confirmed yet, but they are talking about it. Mm. He, he's a good player, Justin Olem. Uh Doug played yeah. that grand final he win. He fall out of favour a bit. Yeah, course, it was though. that grand final win in twenty. 20 from yep. Melbourne Storm yeah. and then halfway through the season he got dropped to the Storm's feeder team up there in the Q Cup and yeah, uh, they brought him back late in the year but mm. Melbourne's season they fell call, over one week out from the grand final
7: they call me Doug the Panther on the other radio sometimes you might hear me Doug the Panther yeah that's,
2: that's right you, you might stick hear to me our radio Doug news and that. Yeah. <laughs> you stick to our radio mate
1: <laughs> yes
2: I will mate God you love call you call me Doug the Panther next time Get All on right.
1: you Doug we'll do that see you, Doug uh, Pete's on the line. Pete, good morning. Old Pete, mate, how are you? Old Pete, how are you? Good to hear from you, Old good. Pete. In
7: 1950, I was ball boy at the Sydney Cricket Ground when England beat Australia at 17 nil. And in the Australian team, Joe, Joe Marsden, they
6: took him to England
7: after that. Yeah. And he played many years there. Frank Bloom played left wing in that team. And he came out and coached Bankstown for a few years later. Uh, Langdon was the inside left and captain. Sam Barton was the goalkeeper. He played for 17 years.
1: Gee, yeah. Is that the series Ron Roberts kicked the goal from the sideline to win the Test match? No, this is soccer. Oh, soccer. 17-0 soccer. Now i got yes. you. Sorry. 17-0. And, and, and uh, Joe Marsden never played rugby oh, Of course, league.
7: Joe he Marsden, yeah. Soccer yeah. champion. Yeah. And I think the that's the... Uh, Medal, if you're the best on the field of the grand final, you That's get the
1: German a medal. Good call, old Pete. Yeah. Th- thanks for that. Gary's on the line down. Gary, good morning. Good morning, uh, Ray and Dean. Just, thanks for the call.
14: And I just wonder, you know, I'm always raving on about the NRL. I want the game to be a better game. That's all I'm thinking about. I don't really support the team. I might pick a team at the beginning of the year and annoy them during the year. But I just want to make a couple of points and then I'll just move on. And the points are because everyone's got a centre of excellence, and the more professional today, and the opposition know what you're doing before it really happens. I just want to make a point about you need. A tw- I was so happy about that grand final because you need you need 28 points to to win to beat those two teams. And I don't see any team in the competition. I just want to make this point: Melbourne played three times in the finals this year and scored total 22 points in three games. That's Melbourne. Yeah. We all. And then you go the Roosters. They they play twice in the final and twenty six points in total, two thirteens. Now and then you got the Cowboys, you got the Bunnies, you got Parramatta, you got Manly, and you got someone else. You got someone else. I don't see any of those teams scoring twenty eight points because the game's up tempo and physical. And when you're working out, putting the plays on out wide and the wingers score unmarked kind of thing, that's not going to happen unless you nail your pass. Bang on, because you're mentally, physically gone. The games are quick. I don't. You've got to get individuals, and that's why you know I fell off the chair when Adrian said they won't make the eight Brisbane. They've got individual players, and I kind of suddenly picked on them. I'm a little bit, you know, I shouldn't have done that. Everyone's got their opinion. Because I don't see Brisbane with Brisbane individual skills and they cancel each other in, out in the forwards. I see plenty of points in Brisbane. They're going to have an easy... They're going to blow teams off the park to you on the year. They're not going to be in the grind week in, week out where most other teams will be. And that wears you down long term over the 20, yeah, 24 uh, games, got, or 26 games,
1: whatever it is. Got to agree, Gary. Brisbane have got strike all over the park. We saw that in their... All season and through to their grand final, when they in that fifteen minute period, like a tsunami, wasn't it? And I know that was a devastating loss, but um, it's going to spur those players on in the off season, a bit like their fade out the previous year, I'm sure, spurred them on to do better in 2023 when they're in the final, in the top eight and top four, almost all season to the last week in 2022. The Broncos in 2024,
2: Dino? Yeah, I'm just not a believer in that if you lose a grand final that you are ready to go straight back to one. Mm. It's hard. They are bloody hard to make grand finals. You take out uh, Thomas Flegler, you take out Herbie Farnworth, you've lost some strikeout wide and some power through the middle. I'm not saying they can't get there, Ray. They're a very good football team. They make the finals, won't they? Oh, they make the finals. I'd be stunned if they didn't. But just losing a grand final late, there's Mm. this theory that we'll be back next year and we can win it. It's not that easy. Yeah. If if it was that easy, yeah, if only, Ray, if mm. only. And the fact they've lost two big-name players is uh, is damaging.
1: And the Panthers have lost Stephen Crichton, arguably the best centre in the game. If if he's not the best, he's in the top two or three. Spencer Lenu off the bench, terrific impact player. Jack Hogg has done a great job this year. There are three big losses for the Panthers in 24.
2: Most certainly. I think everyone's just a bit wary now, Ray, of saying that the Panthers' reign is over. We thought it after year one they wouldn't go back to back. Mm. And then we thought there's no way they can do it. Second one and then again we said it's impossible in the salary cap era to win three straight. Mm. They keep defying the odds, Ray. So you know, how can anyone sit here now in October saying that Penrith can't win a fourth? It's unlikely and it will be bloody hard. Mm. But who's to say they
1: can't? Hey Dino, you know how you let us know. Last week our ratings went up a little in the recent survey, which is really good. I think we've lost us listener. Star Ooh. Star Dragon. It's not it's happy with us. Uh, we didn't read out his his text about um, uh, Zorba in particular. Oh, sorry, Star Dragon. Ray Warren's uh, bias calls for the blues. So, Star Dragon, he's. he's Basically, What's he said? Oh, no, I can't read that one <laughs> Star Dragon. It'll be Sorry, our, buddy, don't it, leave us. But... It'll be our last show if we read that one out. Jeez, language is a bit harsh, mate. <laughs> he hasn't missed. Stay um, with
2: us, Star Dragon. Don't uh, go. Hey, uh, Dino,
1: on Kelly McEwan's foot, it was, I'll always be with you. And that was what her father would say to her in training sessions and in races, etc. So she's got it tattooed on her foot. So when she's ready to go in the blocks for the backstroke, She's looking at the last thing she sees. Yeah, absolutely, it was a fantastic um, piece, actually. And uh, as Tanya's told us earlier, she's now got the fifty, the one hundred, and the two hundred metres world record um, in uh, the backstroke, which is the first time that's ever happened. Dog, you've ignored the elephant in the room today. Can I read this one out? Gina pulled her funds from the basket case Swimming Australia and handed them to Kaley, MMO, et cetera. FINA is set to ban Swimming Australia for their treatment of our kids and force us under an independent ban of Bondi Jack. Um,
2: I don't the, know a lot about that, rate, I wouldn't be but the, educated enough to make a, 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 an opinion that would...
1: The report that was handed down, though, was absolutely damning, um, with a fair bit of evidence to support some of the accusations and allegations. And I dare say... Um, you would imagine there'd be a big clean out in Swimming Australia. The other thing too with, with Gina Reinhardt, all, all she asked you know, was where her money was going.
2: I think where she's her, entitled where, to ask that, isn't Where she? her
1: huge sponsorship money was going and she wasn't given an answer and was basically uh, given some pretty uh, roughshod treatment. Now, when you're sponsoring a national side... With the amount of money that Gina Reinhart was, was doing, so the goodness of her own
2: heart, she's entirely to not where the money's is going. I'm surprised that Swimming Australia didn't give her some clear answers, Ray, because if you try to hoodwink people like Gina, you know where it's going to end, don't you? She's just going to walk away The money it. goes and she walks, and that sounds like it's exactly what has happened.
1: Yeah, no, that wasn't a good thing. Um bit of talk about Ryan Pappenhausen but then the story apparently is that he's not being shopped around so who knows what's going to happen he has signed on to a long-term contract that stormed at the end of 2025 and you know I think everyone wishes Ryan Pappenhausen injury-free season next year he can get back and and, and Tom Trebojevic the same token get those two superstars back on the paddock hope for game, lots of game time injury-free seasons just want to See players like them back doing what they do best, you know.
2: Yeah, I'd imagine the Pappenhausen speculation has come about because of young Sue Falongo, mm. the young kid who played for Samoa. How could he? <laughs> he only came on late in the season for Melbourne Storm. I think he only played half a game, but mm. by jingos, he's got some speed. He is electrifying. So they've got to find a spot, Melbourne Storm, for young Falongo. Uh, I can't see why he couldn't be a dynamic mm. 14. Yeah,
1: off the bench. Yeah, yeah and absolutely back. Coming up on Racing HQ: Russell Veach, Mick Wallace will preview today's big Coonabarabran Cup meeting, and Gary Cleese will look at the meeting at Lismore. Mick and Gary are the best in the business. The Big Sports Breakfast is back tomorrow morning at five thirty on Radio. Ta- you you back on tomorrow morning? I think morning, I'm Eddie?
2: co-hosting tomorrow morning. Well, Early. helping out, I should say. Early to bed for you tonight. Early to bed. Yeah, I think Midow and Clark. You'll be here. There's
1: no home and away on a Sunday night, is there? No. Do you tape it and watch it replays?
2: No. <laughs> I don't know how to tape it. I'm not quite sure how to do that. Really?
1: No. On radio tabs. Well, no one's taught me, (laughs) Tanya. You've got Foxtel, right? Yeah, but don't you have to do IQ
2: and all that kind of stuff?
1: You can record.
2: I can't. I sometimes tape it on. I sometimes tape it on my phone, on you. video, and I can watch it on my I'll phone. I'll show
1: you how you do it on Radio Tab. Stand by for past the Post if you, would like to re- I'm dumb, okay? if you would like to revisit any of today's show or interviews, go to Spotify or the podcast icon on your iPhone or Android. Instead of saying what you're doing today, I'll come by your house on the way home and show you how to record these things. Okay, Done. Done. Enjoy your Sunday, everybody. And enjoy your sport.